Mike, turn your games down. Hi, we're going to another movie episode of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Elberton, and who's got playing a killer soundtrack with me tonight? Hey, everybody, it's Kenneth Sanity, and I got to talk to you about the fabulous, most groovy Bell Bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Bill from A Gamer Looks at 40, and just remember, nobody puts baby in the corner. Uh, that was good. <laughs> and we are here. We are bringing you a Patreon voted episode. When I, I did another poll and brought back movies that didn't make it in the earlier poll. We're here to talk about Baby Driver, directed and written by Edgar Wright, and came out in 2017, wow. which I had never seen before. That is so long ago. It It, it is. I, I regret, after watching this twice, I regret not seeing this in theaters because I'm like, this is a theater movie. Like, you go in blind. No fucking idea what you're seeing. You're just somebody's like, hey, come sit down and watch this with me. Like, all right. And yeah, that's that's what this kind of movie is should be. I wish I had that experience. <laughs> I mean, likewise, I also didn't see this in theater. I didn't really even see this until pretty recently. I just bought the Blu-ray one day. You know, nobody nobody had told me by that point, hey, watch this. You're going to dig it, Ken. Which is fine, but, you know, honestly, a lot of my friends need to pay for what they've done to me. And, <laughs> like, I could have watched this movie so much sooner than I did. I didn't watch this until, I think, like, 2020. Okay. And, oh, man. Like, I went into this blind, and I was just sitting there like a kid on Christmas. I was just so happy. <laughs> and for me, yeah, and I, for me, I, uh, I saw this at theaters. This was during the season where I was watching a lot of movies in theaters, and I... I did see this uh, theatrically, and I, I do remember walking, seeing it because of reviews were good, and this is a very well-reviewed movie. This has got a beloved movie, of uh, critically, and I also, of course, know the director's other work, and I'm like, yeah, this sounds right up my alley, like an old-fashioned kind of heist movie, and sure enough, it, uh, it hit on all cylinders. I walked away. I, I actually probably danced my way out of the theater, much like Baby sashays his way through the streets <laughs> of Atlanta with his iPod on. I, I remember... I remember almost feeling rhythmic walking out. It, this is one of the best examples of a musical. This is kind of a, <laughs> a musical for those who don't like musicals. And yeah. we'll talk a lot about it. But yeah, this is uh, a delight. And I uh, I loved it the second time around last night. And I loved it when I saw it theatrically. All right. I don't know. I just, I mean, I remember people talking about this movie. I remember seeing it come out and I was like, okay, it looks interesting. I saw trailers and. And that was, I just never, just never got around to it. And it's been on my mind ever since. And then we did this poll and I finally saw it in 20, yeah, 2024. <laughs> so I'm a big fan of Edgar Wright just because of, he did one of my, he did my, one of my favorite movies of all time, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And that's what made me, had me interested. But I wasn't expecting what this movie was. Like before we watched it for the show, I didn't watch any trailers. Or I watched a minute of a trailer and I'm like, nope, I don't want any more. I'm just going to go into this and see what happens. And this movie starts off with with a bank heist, which I think is a good way to start a heist movie, too. So, <laughs> yeah, I think like as far as raising, like putting your stakes on an elevated level right away, this movie does that really well because <laughs> and oh, God, the car puns are just they're going to happen. I hate <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I hate puns. But this movie just once it starts, it's just gas pedal all the way yeah it really is there's a couple moments where it you know lets up and you know lets baby breathe a little bit 
But even in those moments, like the tension is always there. Just it's a very, very tense movie. <laughs> sure. There's yeah, a lot it, it really is. It, it once it starts, it, it doesn't it doesn't let up. It doesn't put on the brakes until near the end of the movie, really. So <laughs> I'll join you in your in your car punts. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I do believe that like this movie just really has a couple quiet parts. But like when I before I saw this, I was thinking, OK, there's gonna be, you know, even when I started watching, it, like, OK, it'd be a couple heists and that's it. And this there's what, three, what, three heists, right? In this movie. Yeah. Three or four. There's the first one. There's the armored car. And then there's the post, uh, office. post office. OK, so three. But that post office one that it don't it goes for a long time. <laughs> That post office one, like the planning of that job is literally the last half of the movie. Oh, yeah. Which that's is... what you want for a heist movie. Ooh, love it. And because of you guys, I, I do appreciate movies more than I used to. <laughs> As I've said before in this podcast, like I was paying attention to a lot of how like they like when this movie starts off, you have you have people getting out of a car to rob a bank and you have the main character baby just start playing music and how much that music fits you know, they work it into the movie, just the way things are happening. They did a good job of really editing it so it goes along with the track. That I thought was impressive too. And it, it doesn't it last the same amount as the track sometimes too? Yeah. That's yeah. impressive. Like, except there was one point in the movie where they where baby rewound the song Neat 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 by the Damned during the armored car robbery. He was like, Oh wait, hold on. And he like rewound the song a bit. It was because the song wasn't long enough, and Edgar Wright knew it. So he was like, all right, I'm going yeah. oh, to work this in. That's fair. That makes sense. <laughs> it totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. It The the opening of this, you know, we say it all the time that movies are always succeed when they kind of let you know what you're getting into right from the get-go. And, of course, this one does it. And this is, this is like a, a great two-hour music video. And when I say those words <laughs> into the microphone, it exhausts me. Like, the idea of a two-hour music video just sounds exhausting but there's it's so integrated into the not only the action of the movie but the emotion as well and it ties in so carefully with what the character developments and what they're feeling and going through it's so integral it's it's a masterpiece of pacing and timing when it comes to just the fluidity of of a music and b how it matches into it that with the cinema with the cinematography and everything else going on in it the marriage of the two things is so seamless. And I hate that word because they use it at work all the time. Like, <laughs> this could be a seamless integration. No, there's not. There's no such thing. Unless you're doing molecular bonding, there's no such thing as seamless. Stop it. There's always a seam somewhere. There's always evidence. But this is a uh, this is about as seamless as it gets when it comes to integrating the two the two things. And I it is a glorious beginning. It's so much fun. And who doesn't love singing in the car? There's nothing primal about that. Just singing along to your favorite songs in the car, drumming on the steering wheel. There's something very relatable about that, which is why it's very successful, I think, in, in the beginning, because he's instantly likable. Like, Baby is instantly likable, even though he's the wheelman for a heist, a bunch of criminals. Uh, we, as human beings, like seeing criminals do good things, <laughs> succeed, because it's... Uh, we do. We get to transfer that, because we all, we all, at our heart of hearts, in our lizard brains, want to solve our problems with a baseball bat. So that's why it's just so much fun to watch criminals do succeed. We're all rooting for them to get away. And I think baby being a very young and B just jamming in the car makes it easily to easy to root for immediately. Plus it's Ansel Elgort. He's not too shabby looking like you want to <laughs> like him. Yeah. yeah. He's very, char very charming. Uh, very, yes, very charming for sure. Yeah. 
And this, yeah, let's talk about that cast. Jesus Christ, it's everybody stacked. in this movie is beautiful. Ansel Elgort, El- El- I don't really, I know I've seen him in movies because I was looking up his filmography. I've seen him in Divergent. I don't remember Divergent, but I saw him in Divergent. <laughs> been a while since i've seen that movie yeah i, I would not know but <laughs> yes he was in there uh he was also in the west side story uh that was done what 20 something 2021 yeah years ago yeah yeah i don't remember i didn't see it i didn't think that it needed an update whatever but you know he was the main in that and, it's, uh, and for West Side Story, just I, I, I loved West Side Story and I was surprised because I thought I was going to loathe it and I really liked it. So it's, it's a if you really wanted a modern retelling of West Side Story, it's about as good as you could possibly expect it to be. It's yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty great. But I'm a sucker for a musical. So for me, it's, it's what can I say? I'm a sucker for a musical. So hey, <laughs> just a little note on that. I am. I am, too. If they're done like this, this is how you get me. Well, I mean, this isn't really a musical. Like, there's musicals where your story is told through songs. And then there's, I think there was a critic that called this a postmodern musical, which, yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, Yeah, it makes sense. I like movies that use music to to fill in gaps when things are happening. I like that. I've always have. So I'm, I'm okay with it. And I like how music plays such a big part in this movie because it fits the plot. It fits the story. It fits the theme. And I'm good then. I mean, let's see. Who else you got? Oh, we should. All right. We should probably get the elephant out of the room here. First off, this cast is not without its problems. Uh, Ansel Elgort was accused of sexual assault. A woman when she was 17, he was 20. As far as I know, that's never been cleared up. Uh, He obviously maintained his innocence. Uh, This was all after he championed the Me Too movement. So everybody was kind of like pulling at the collars. And then there's the Kevin Spacey of it all. Yeah, I was thinking that too. I'm like, because it, it made me, we brought up that before on other, on other things. Like, does it ruin the art, depending on the artist? And yeah, I, I think for- it helps here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he, you know, he's a good actor. He just turned out to be a shitty person. Yeah, but here he's playing a shitty character. So yeah. it like, it kind of, you know, it's, it gives you that sense of involvement more. You're like, he- oh, yeah. He's done, right? Is his career over with at this point? Uh, Is anybody's career really over, honestly? I I thought about him. Has he done anything else? And then I realized I didn't want to spend any more time in the Kevin Spacey world, so I didn't look it up. I literally was just like, I don't... uh, Kevin Spacey is one of those actors that that bummed me out when I found out he was such a piece of garbage. And because he's such an incredible actor, he really is just extraordinary. He's been in so many iconic things, and I really enjoy him as an actor. I, I don't know if we I've ever been involved in those conversations about separating art from artist. My take is you have to make maybe sure. my take is you have to you have to make a choice for yourself. It's a personal decision. I think some everybody has mistakes. Everyone screws up. The problem is if you double down on those things, that's when it becomes really problematic for me. In Kevin Spacey's world, of course, he's quadruple <laughs> quintuple downed over the years on it. I, Kevin Spacey's an actor I avoid. Now, like I was watching uh, Orange is the New Black. Is that right? Yes. Orange is the New Black. And I just, no, 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 not that. House of Cards. House of Cards, all, yeah. They take them out it, after a bit. When it, when it first came, when, it, when, it, when all that stuff first came out, and I, I made a decision to not to stop watching uh, House of Cards. I was like, I, you know what? I'm just not going to support it. And there's a few artists I'm like that with. And Kevin Spacey's one of those I made a decision for me personally. Like, I just don't want to ingest his work. 
I just don't want to see him on screen. So seeing him here in this one was 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 fine because I think his part's minor enough where, like you said, Ken, it is kind of wonderful. <laughs> it all kind of works out. But it's also, it's so heightened and it's a little more of a caricature than anything else. It didn't, it didn't kill the movie for me. I was able to kind of get through it. No, it, it, uh, it didn't bother me either. Also, he yeah. was, I don't, this doesn't mean anything to me, but he was also found not guilty and everything, but that doesn't mean a whole lot to me. So I don't know. I just, <sighs> some, I, I, my take on all that is you have to make your own decision and I don't think your decision should be influenced by other people or what the um, status quo says or media says or anything else. I think you, you can separate that if if you can personally, and if you if you choose to separate it, great. If you choose not to, you're like, you know what? I still I still really like American Beauty. I'm gonna watch Kevin Spacey movies. That's fine. You shouldn't be villainized for. I don't think. I think it's a personal no, I don't decision. Either. I mean, not not in a case like this either. It's you know because there's lots of people that go through together and are making a movie. It's not just yeah. Yeah, true. Exactly right. And yeah, and that's and also I think it's a good opportunity for conversation. I think if you completely get rid of somebody, you you lose the opportunity to have a conversation about that and remember it. You can say, hey, Chinatown is this amazing movie, but the director is also a literal piece of human garbage. Can you separate yeah. the two? It depends. It's up to you. I think it's a personal decision, um, but you should always not. You should always try to remember the reason why there is there that kind of divide. So he does a, he does a good job in this film, too. He really does play a good oh, yeah, he's ball. Great. He's great. He's, he's great. <laughs> I, I love how he talks. Like it's just a film noir all the time. Oh, so yes, yes. <laughs> well, they all play like every. It, at times, it feels like people are in different different movies, but it all works together. Yeah, it does. Like yeah. <laughs> Buddy and Darling. Yeah, Buddy and Darling are in Natural Born Killers. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Kevin Spacey in uh, I don't know Maltese Falcon maybe. Double indemnity. Yeah. <laughs> Man. You got uh, Griff is basically just in a Quentin Tarantino crime movie. Yeah. For the freaking he's only in this movie for 12 minutes. <laughs> was it that long? Yeah, I'm watching it right now. And it, it, it was right because you just mentioned that. And I looked at the time and it's a 12 minute mark when he's in the elevator. He's going, yep, here's my stop. And then we never see him again. Yep. And then well, you got oh, Jamie Foxx in this movie. What a damn joy. Yeah. Jesus. Like, he's so good in this. I hated him in this movie, but he did a great job. I mean, you're supposed to hate him. That's why I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Job, job, job done on. Yeah, Mr. yeah. No, he, he played yeah. it well. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he, he he's fantastic. He toes that line. I love how Jamie Foxx is so unpredictable. He he, he plays that that role very well. And again, it feels like a, he's, he's he's also in his in a Quentin movie. I think if you're in a movie with Quentin Tarantino, I think you, you it changes you. <laughs> I think sometimes as an actor, I imagine <laughs> I can imagine that probably changes a lot for you. Felt to me like Bats was coming from those uh, like late '90s, early 2000s. F. Gary Gray, like Dead Presidents. Or oh yeah, uh-huh. Fire It Up. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know those <laughs> really those types of. I think they're called quote unquote urban thrillers. Yes. Come on, we know what you're saying. Just say it. <laughs> well, another thing that like with Kevin Spacey, like when I was watching this with Tiff, she had made a comment about that he really reminded her of Gene Hackman, just the way he talked. Yeah. Hard boiled, hard, hard boiled, hard nosed. Yeah, like type, you know, earlier Gene Hackman, like I've never seen French Connection, but I'm assuming like <sighs> stuff like that where he just yep. was, you know, and it kind of like and he just I'm like, yeah, that, that fits. I mean, he's just very like just a, very direct with the way he was the way that he was talking and <laughs> it worked for me. Yeah, 
I didn't know this about Kevin Spacey, but apparently he's posted videos on his YouTube channel on Christmas Eve in character as Frank Underwood. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Spacey has worn Beatty levels of insane. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Wow. But this was, was this a stint? Was he still in House of Cards or was he already fired? From 2018 to 2020 and then again just this past Christmas Eve. Okay, I, I can take it when you're still like on the job. That could have been a you know a job stunt, but when you're fired, that's different. So no, 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 no. This is oh. literally him still just wanting to do the role that he prepared okay, for. Yeah, oh my yeah. gosh, that's I, I I really do want to see this, but I really do not want to give the man a click. So I will just I'll let it live in my brain and enjoy it. Like I'll, I'm just gonna enjoy what my mental progression because I have seen the Warren Beatty as Dick Tracy, <laughs> and it is. The life. It is oddly delightful and cringy and all all the good things. <laughs> I kind of adore it. Oh, yeah, keep the character alive, man. Then let somebody else make the damn movie. Anyway, we're not talking I, I about am. Dick Tracy. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. Oh uh, listen, I voted for it. It's gonna say I it. voted for it. Of course you did. I, I I as soon as I saw it, I had to. <laughs> I mean to be fair, everything on that poll is going to happen anyway at some point because they're all movies that I've thought about doing. So whatever doesn't win is going to happen at some point anyway. So that's part of the theme of some of these polls. Like I put stuff on that I'm going to do anyway. It just it speeds up. You get to start the conversation. <laughs> Check out our Patreon. Please do. Yeah. A little dollar about our Patreon poll every month. And depending on when you know, you will hear. Yeah, you'll hear this at the end of the month. There's two polls. So if you join at the very end, there's still two. There's two polls this month. <laughs> so. Oh, and like John Berthold, I was surprised at how little he's in this movie. I was expecting him to be in it more because he's in the opening credits. Yeah, he's in the opening credits. He's on the poster. Is he on the poster? I didn't think he was when I was looking at it just now. Well, the his, I think his name is. No, no, it's his not. name is not either. But like in the credits, he's, I think, second build. It's pretty close. And was he a big actor at this time? Oh, no, 2017 would have been after The Walking Dead. After is this after Daredevil? No, I think this was before Daredevil. Daredevil season two is John Berthold season. And then he had his Punisher show, but I can't remember. And I did not look this up before we talked. Uh, 2016 is Daredevil season two. Okay, so this would have been after that. Yeah. Weird. Makes more sense, though. Like, he's great. I love him. He's, he's a good asshole. He is, but... He's literally there and gone. And, well, he's pro- his character Griff is probably just dead. Yeah, I mean, that's what he says. Yeah. Like, if you don't see me again, I'm dead. And this was my first exposure to John Hamm after he was John Hamm. Like, you know, he's been in movies before, right? Like, but this was the first time I saw him as, like, a person that I should watch out for. And, Wow. He's really good wow. in this role. He plays Buddy, as you know him as, throughout this movie. He's in the first heist, and he's in the last heist. And, wow. Like, I was I was not prepared. I didn't see Bridesmaid until way later. Like, most of the movies that he's in, I didn't see until after I saw this movie. And right then, I was I was very much stricken. I was like, I, I want to watch you forever. Actually, that it was after this that I slowly started watching Mad Men too. So like I was I was very struck by his his appearance, his acting ability. He's a very handsome man. Very handsome man. And a very good actor in this one. God, yes he is. 
I was surprised how much they do with his character throughout this movie. And like at the beginning, it's just kind of like, oh, you know, oh, I'm, I love my girlfriend. And they have <laughs> Buddy and Darling have matching his and hers tattoos on their neck. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I didn't care so, that. So it's clever. Adorable. It's so clever. <sighs> really cute. I mean, it introduces it really quickly after the heist are making out in the elevator when they're, you know, getting when they're leaving the place to get in their to get in their cars to go away. Like, you know, it he does. He show. I mean, throughout the couple of times you see him, he seems like a decent guy. You know, I mean, yes, he's a criminal, but he seems decent to baby. He's defending him. He's not really being an ass to him or anything like it isn't until later when shit hits the fan. Well, I mean, he blames baby. So. Like, I wouldn't call them friends at the beginning, but they weren't enemies. Like, they were they were work friends. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Like, you know, you're friendly to people at work. You don't really hang out outside of work. But, you know, when you're in the office together, eh, you're all right. You got somebody to talk to. You don't hang out. Yeah. You have lunch together sometimes. Go into the little yeah. break room, you know, or swing by the desk for a few minutes and hang out. I remember those days when, you know, I was working with people in physical environments Boy, I much prefer now. <laughs> I don't do that. But uh, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Like a work friend. Yeah, that's like that's a good way of putting it. Colleague. Yeah, yeah. And like he's just he brightens up every scene he's in. Like he's from when he's just kind of a little more happy-go-lucky in the beginning. Like I don't know if that's really the phrase I want to put on him, but like nothing seems to really. He's unflappable. Yeah. In the first, you know, the first couple scenes, he's like whatever. It's happening. I trust baby. Let's go. Oh, darling. I love you. Smooch, smooch, smooch. Darling is a character. <laughs> I mean, she, Isaac Gonzalez does well. I liked her a lot. He's there. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. I had no problem with it. One, she was hot. So there was that. But also, I just felt I liked her character. I liked her being this woman that just seems friendly, but at the same time is a cold blood killer. I don't know. I thought that that got I'm like, this is cool. Well, they both seem like professionals, right? Like this yeah. is the gig, you know, this is they, they, this is their, their, their professionals. Right. And they they understand the risks involved. And they're both obviously slightly unhinged. Uh, she's fine. I fine. You know, as, as a foil to um, as a foil to again, I'm going to be bad. At the names. I'm sorry. I, I, I just woke up like 20 minutes ago as, as kind of a foil. She's fine. Yeah, I, she does a good job. Yeah. And Buddy and Darling are. You know, we learn their real names. Not really worth going into them. No, but it's just like, there. The only person's full name who we never learn is Doc, as played That's by right. Kevin Spacey. That's right. Because he never gets caught, but he suffers. <laughs> <laughs> he gets run over twice. <laughs> yeah. And not great either time. No. <laughs> like, there are ways that you want to get run over, and neither one of them is how Doc got run over. But I think that... That fits with Doc, too, that you never get his name because he's not. I mean, he know. like I like the fact that he shows pretty quickly. He, like, he knows who everybody is. He knows who everybody's name is. He knows what they're where they live. They're prof- like, he knows what they're doing so he can, you know, and be aware. He's aware of stuff. I, I like that. I, I enjoyed. Also, I really appreciate this movie didn't take place in your normal city. So it takes place in Atlanta, Georgia, not Boston, not New York, not Chicago, not California somewhere. It's I just like I appreciated that. It was going to be Los Angeles. Oh, I'm glad it wasn't. But film credits and the like, like, I'm not even mad. Well, I'm happy to see something else in a different place that you don't always see. That's why. Yeah. And also, Atlanta, I think, is known not to be the best either. So it works out. 
That's what I've heard. <laughs> oh, their traffic sucks. Yeah, Boston traffic sucks too. I can unfortunately, I know that for a fact now. <laughs> yeah, I've only driven through the outside of Atlanta, and no, not a fan. Never done that yet, but after driving through, but I have to say, after driving through Boston for that that week when I was in, I was in in the in town. I did. I'm a better driver now than I than I was before that because of that experience. Because I had to become more aggressive than I normally am, and it I do it now sometimes when I have to. So I did learn. I'm better. I don't drive as aggressive as this, of course, but I do try more aggressive <laughs> when needed. I mean, this, it's just and then because after you have the heist, you have him. What we were kind of talking about you have him go back. You have the base stuff. I mean, he just you know it kind of keeps it going. And then he, I know Doc makes comments throughout the movie where he never works with the same crew, even though. In this movie, you see the same crew multiple times, kind of, but mm. different set. I mean, different, some of the same people, but different, not the exact same people. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's, I think, more what he's saying is that he never uses the exact same crew twice. Yeah, the same combination of people. Oh, yeah. Okay, because, yeah, you get rid of John Bernthal in the, in the, you have him in the first heist, and you have, then you have the second heist, which is Jamie Foxx, Flea. <laughs> oh, I, I love the what? second heist so much. <laughs> So I had a nickel for every time we see Flea in a movie. I didn't expect it. I have two nickels now we've done on this podcast. Back to the Future, one of, I think, one of three he was in or something. Uh, he was in two. He was in three. Okay. I have three nickels in. But yeah. <laughs> like, How do I keep finding movies where that random guy just shows up in a movie? I'm like, why are you here? Lanny June as JD. I love him. I love him so much. He's a moron. <laughs> He's just a pretty looking idiot. Like true, true himbo right there. And I'm, I'm here for it. I absolutely love it. One of my favorite lines is when baby's talking about his tattoo and he's like, your tattoo says hat. And JD's like, yeah, I got it to increase my chances of employment. And <laughs> baby, how's that working out for you? JD just looks at him like he's insane and says, who doesn't like hats? Like, <laughs> first off, I don't like hats, but <laughs> I don't either. But, like, that line is just delivered with so much seriousness. And he's almost like he's hurt. Like, are, are, are you joking? Who doesn't like hats? It's just, it's fantastic. And this is where uh, the lovable idiot JD screws everything up. <laughs> it's also with the second heist when you get more explanation. You get the, you get the explanation to why a baby has the headphones in his ears all the time because of the tinnitus. You get the why he's working with Doc because of he stole from Doc. You get all that. You get all that backstory at this point in the movie, which is good because I, I was I wanted to know, too. So I was like, OK, thank you, movie. I was curious. And there was. Oh, gosh. What? This is a good heist, too. This is kind of reminding me of like a Grand Theft Auto mission. <laughs> it's just dead. Yeah, that's what? not a good thing. No, no, no. I mean, like, it's absolutely true. Like, this is the one where you get. um you first introduced to Jamie Foxx, who plays yeah, you Bats. Get that. You get Eddie No-No's, asking about the No's, of course, is an Eddie No-No's No-No. And then you get JD, and Doc lays out a really good plan. And Doc's planning is, like, par excellence. He's really good at his job. But JD screws up. They're supposed to buy Michael Myers masks. <laughs> and, I, God. I appreciated fine. this. Way more than I think I normally would, well, because of we watched Halloween not that long ago for this podcast, and I finally yeah. saw that movie. And they're like, you know, they had their Michael Myers mask, and then he pulls out the wrong Mike Myers because it's from Austin Powers. That was hilarious. Yeah. And then Bats is like, no, the Halloween mask. This is a Halloween mask. 
Oh god. He's like, and then I think, well, yeah, then he says, oh, he's like, he's like the one with the killer. Oh, you mean the guy with the hockey mask? Oh, oh you mean Jason? No, oh, yeah, Jason. No, it was like, no. Eh, that was just funny. Oh, it was but it was... <laughs> like this. This heist goes about as wrong as it can go. Well, for now. It doesn't um, go terrible. I mean, they do. So I have a question about this. Like when you're when they're doing this whole scene, there's a random guy that get, that's in a truck nearby that ends up playing a part in after the heist. Was that a cop? No, no, he was just a soldier. Okay. I mean, this heist goes sort of right. I mean, they get the money. They get the money. They they not they pretty much take out one guy and then they get out. It's when the then the soldier had caught you know tries to stop them and he's the one that kind of puts a a damper in it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that kills a security guard. Which honestly didn't need to happen. That no, crazy. it's just recklessness, and I think that's the big thing that kind of cements it for a baby. Where he that work becomes very real for he's just a driver. He never sees anything really go down. He just puts people in danger through reckless driving. But he's he's just solving a problem. To actually seeing that happen, I think that's the the the, the trigger for him that made it real. Like seeing that seeing that guard on the ground uh, bloody for sure. That's a big moment. Yeah, and. <laughs> Where that scene where baby executes that, you know, drift reverse and smashes the cart into the guard, sends him flying. That was awesome. Oh, that's the guy that's in the hospital then, right? That you see later? No, the guy you see later is in the hospital is the soldier. Oh, okay. Yeah, because like they're chased with the soldier and the who has the arsenal in his truck. Yeah, it's Atlanta. So this works. They probably have lighter gun laws, huh? Uh, I don't know. The South is kind of weird about guns. Oh, I know. I know. I've been to Georgia. I, I get it. I used, to, but, I, I used to visit Statesboro, Georgia every year because I had family down there. And that's, uh, you're getting out there in more rural areas, let's just say. So I get it. <laughs> but, you know, they're the, the soldier is shooting at him. And Bats is trying to shoot the soldier at one point. Baby kind of stops him from taking a point blank shot at his at the soldier's face, which Bats is not happy about. I mean, not to mention the shotgun is literally in Baby's face too, so it's yeah. not going to be a. Pr- I mean, that would be so fucking loud too, and it's pointless. You don't need to kill the guy. Yeah, and you get you get payoff for that later. <laughs> for the <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah. Oh god! And they, they end up having to—they have to carjack another car because they—they they get stuck in traffic. And this is kind of where you see a little bit more of where he's a decent guy because he takes the baby out of the car, even though they're throwing a fit. Are you taking the baby out? Yeah. Like, why do you want to keep the baby? Like, what are you going to do with like hostage? Oh, okay. Good point. Absolutely a hostage. I think about that, but yeah. See, and this I is when like JD screws up, I think, and leaves a shotgun in the car or something. Yep. That is his big mistake. Another big mistake. And it's funny because when you see the scene walking up to the bank, his is the only shotgun without a strap. Oh, Bats has a strap. Eddie has a strap, but JD does not, which means, which leads me to think he took it off because he thought it didn't look cool. That makes sense. I was wondering, I didn't catch that, but I was, cause I know he misses it. He, he drops it. And I was thinking to myself, also, would that really matter that much? Because you guys all have gloves on, so you don't have fingerprints, but I guess any evidence is not good evidence. So yeah. And link somehow. It's possible that that gun was used in a different crime. Oh, yeah. Then you start putting pieces together. So, yeah. Yeah. That was one of the first things I looked at. I was like, wait, but you have gloves on. It's not the biggest deal in the world, but it is uh, unprofessional. And, uh, yeah, that hardware is hard to come by, as we're going to learn a little bit later. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) Very hard to come by. (laughs) 
Mm. And the whole like the thing with Baby is that he's only trying to do like he this is supposed to be his last heist because he stole from Kevin Spacey at some point or from Doc and he owes him all this money. So he's just trying to pay him off. And he's like, OK, now, you know, we're you're squared. And he's like, I want to get out of this business. And he's like, eh, you know, he's like and, and, and like how he doesn't really say no. He doesn't say yes. But he doesn't say no. <laughs> And, and yeah. it was kind of sad because I kind of wanted to see, like, I was thinking that the the last heist that would everything would screw up would be the heist where, like, his last heist to finish the job would be the one that's the big one for the movie. That's what my thought pattern was. I was a little surprised when we're only 31 minutes into this movie yeah. and he does the last heist that he has to do to be, you know, to be covered. I was like, OK, but, you know, it's not the kind of job you walk away from, especially when you're as good as baby. I think in general, if you're in criminal organization, it's very hard to walk away. I think that's true. I don't think that's it's a movie thing. I think that's a real thing. Like you can't just like you're in that world is a different, you know, you don't just walk away very often. You either get shot, you get arrested or you are rich enough and completely just try to disappear for years. They made a whole ass movie about it. Oh, several actually. <laughs> but, what was uh, that one guy disappeared for what? 24 years. Some ah, from Boston. I forgot his name. Whitey Bulger. He disappeared for a long time and then he finally got caught. Living in like a retirement home place in like the South. <laughs> so, oh, well, good for him. But he got caught. <laughs> Somebody recognized him after all these years. But he was gone for a really long time. But I mean, also, like, even like in between the heist, the movie is not boring at all. The stuff with Deborah in the diner is also so well done. Oh my God. That is so fucking cute. It's extraordinarily charming. It's, it's the kind of slick and cool we all wish we could be when we were probably that age, but we were super duper not <laughs> No, just, just to be that cool and self-assured. And what I love about the baby character is that he has a, a confidence about him and a decisiveness. He's not this sheepy sheepish bumbling. Sorry guys. Scott, uh, not Scott. I was, I was said Scott Pilgrim. But yeah. <laughs> kind of like Scott Pilgrim type where he's like, he has this little quiet confidence about him that's very endearing and charming and uh, very attractive. And uh, and they are just the cutest couple on the planet. It's really awesome. To rip off Forrest Gump, Baby and Deborah go together like peas and carrots. Like peas and carrots. They really, really do. Yep. They're just, they're a bright spot in the movie. Like a super bright spot in cinema, I'd say. Because like. I don't know. I feel like they got they have like actual chemistry. Oh, yeah, those, totally. Those two actors like they just they work together. They light each other up. They they yeah. really. Yeah, you can tell that they, they they have an exceptional chemistry for sure. It feels very natural. They're coming to like each other. It feels extremely natural. And yeah, it's really great. Now they're 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 a delight. I was surprised how much I, I enjoyed them together and just and I, I was talking with Tiff when we were watching this because it's like how quickly their relationship goes but at the same time it's like sometimes that happens sometimes you you just click with a person and like I mean and they're both young I'm assuming both these characters are probably what young 20s I would say like 20 21 I mean at least 21 because they're drinking so yeah gotta be yeah and and like she works at a dead-end job she's working at a diner she don't really want to be there you know, and like, I like it how she's like, I got to go. Like, you know, he's like, and they go uh, like the whole scene with them at the laundromat. That was also really cute. Everything with that scene and like, Deborah, you look like a zebra. Like, it was really cute. I actually know who Beck is or never listened to any music, but I know who he is because of other things I referenced him before. <laughs> but I, I just thought that was really like a, such a cute moment with them. And it really like and then I th- I want to say from the time that 
they do meet or maybe at laundromats at a time that they actually have the dinner date. I think it's at least been a week or two. The movie doesn't show that, but because she makes a comment. I watched this movie twice now and watching three, three times currently she makes a comment. She's like, I work doubles for the next like week or two, like week or two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When they're trying to plan a date night out. So I'm assuming it's supposed to be like another week has passed where they were, you know, at least talking to each other or he was stopping at the diner, you know, before their date. Yeah. We just like, don't seek. There's there's probably things here we don't see and it doesn't matter. No. Like it's just it's fun. It's cute. It's flirty. It's what this relationship should be. It reminds me of like some of those old movies from like the forties when you just have good banter with people. And that's yet another way that this movie's kind of like timeless between Spacey's noir performance and like everything that's going on, even though they're modern cars, it's obviously modern times. Those do lend the movie kind of a timelessness because they're taking elements from filmic history and going through like, you know, we'll take this relationship from this era. We'll take this character straight out of this area and, you know, just putting everything together and just making one amazing stew of a movie. Like another thing I didn't really pick up on the first time, like everything with the tape recorder. I mean, I was really thinking about like, you really should not be recording criminals. Like that is not ever going to end well. I didn't think about that. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I I know when they're like, are you part of the police? Like hell, he's part of the police. You guys have been raided, you know, heists ago. (laughs) This wouldn't have kept going. Yeah. This would have been a problem much sooner. (laughs) I thought that was so stupid. Like, you know, they, they do know he's been working with doc for a while. You can tell it's like you really think that if he was actually a cop, they plus a cop wouldn't have that recorder in 2017. Exactly. Well, more way, this movie's kind of timeless. They use analog technology a lot, which I dig. You know, there's landline phones who had a landline phone in 2017. Not a lot of people. Hey, you'd be surprised. Again, how many I can tell you for a fact, a lot of people in 2023, 2024 have landline phones still. Might have, might be over the ages of 70, but they do have landline phones. Oh, I mean, fair enough. Don't ask how I know that, but we'll just go with I do know that. <laughs> but I know what you mean. Like, it, it's a thing that you think is dying, but it's there still. I mean, I don't have one. I never will again. Why? I have a, I have a, I have a pocket computer. I don't need anything else. I hate my pocket computer sometimes. I want to get rid of it. I want to go back to an old flip phone. I know. Oh, hey, this movie does it all the time. Yeah, they're called burner phones, and they're a useful element in the criminal community. And they still exist. You can still get a flip phone. Oh, easily. Hey, there. How else you commit crimes and not be noticed? You know, you can buy them at Walgreens. <laughs> hey, you know that personally, wouldn't you, Ken? I would work there for eight years. Hated it. <laughs> hey, I get it. Retail sucks ass. But um, after you know, baby and Deborah have their meet cute and. You know, continue to be cute and adorable and aw. They make a date for a fancy dinner out at Bacchanalia, one of the finest wines and dines in the city. And Baby is pulled back in by Doc, who very nicely pays for their meal. (laughs) And is also hanging out with Killer Mike from Run the Jewels and Big Boy from Outcast. Like, (laughs) I ain't mad at it. But no. like you got you got to have it in a movie set in Atlanta. You got to have Atlanta hip hop royalty show up. That's cool. I didn't I, I did not notice that, but that's cool. And baby gets pulled back in for one more job. Not one last job 
one more job, although it will turn out to be the last heist. Womp womp. <laughs> Unfortunate. Unfortunate. And, and, but honestly, it's interesting because the movie does set up a, a very kind of an interesting dichotomy, at least for me. I want to see Baby get out of the life, but I also don't want him to. I really enjoy him in this role. He's so good at what he does. And yes, now he has this kind of this new reason to not do it. And obviously he's a criminal. But again, my lizard brain really likes watching him drive on the opposite side of the road, leaping (laughs) over things because he's it's it's talented people doing talent, talent required things. (laughs) Not to belabor a bad joke, but it's a it's a it's just interesting. So it really kind of is this this a little dichotomy for me. I'm like, I really want to see baby do more fun, fast driving because. I mean, we really talk about maybe you have when I was stepping away, but car chases are innately fun. Like car chases are so fun. You brought the French Connection, which has got an incredible car chase. It's one, the, it's one of the best car chases in movies. And because there's so many stakes at all times, you have a large vehicle, you know, a crash is going to happen. It's visceral. There's other obstacles, other people involved. It's car. Car chases are just fun. They're great. But. So anyway, so so see, I want I want more car chases in my action movie, and oh boy, well I get them. But to have this idea, like around forty five minutes, like no more chases. What? It was we was have this like charming little drama now about you know young love and driving on Route sixty six in the in the Thunderbird. Like, what, is that what we're gonna do? But it'd be fine. But no. I would be fine. But yeah, it's that's 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 why for me it was it put up these weird barriers. Like it's like yeah, baby, yeah, yeah. I want definitely want you to get out of there because again, you have your your father figure who wants you out boy oh boy it's so much fun when you're doing it <laughs> oh we haven't talked about the father figure with i joe. like i oh, like joe i love joe joe was, is great it was good like you know his, he talked his foster father who's who's deaf and in a wheelchair props to the film for actually casting a deaf actor by the way oh that is props they don't always do that so no. don't normally do that i should say no like Edgar Wright said in an interview, he interviewed like he he auditioned a lot of people, but casting somebody who was deaf felt who wasn't deaf felt wrong immediately. And I was like, yeah, all right, proper. I mean, if you can, if someone apply, if someone auditioned that can do the job, that is that, you know, that hire them. Like, why not? So, I mean, at that point, I mean, a lot of people that are deaf are are able to either read lips or like they have other, you know, they they are they can figure out things. Right. They, They had to. You adapt it. Well, Ansel Elgort learned sign language. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, like, that that sign language he's doing is actually him learning sign language because that's the way to communicate on set. So, that's fun. That's cool and respectful. Give yeah. him props. Why couldn't he be respectful with other people? Womp, womp. Womp, womp. Because money. But their, their relationship is just so sweet and so loving. Like, you can tell... You know, there's not that nagging parent. There's just like, I know you're doing crime. I don't like it. I wish you'd stop. I'm I can't assuming stop. he knows I, that he oh, he, either. Yeah, he knows. He just. Like, he's not in it by choice. Yeah, he just doesn't like it. He hates it. I like how he gets the job at the the good, fe- the good, was what was it? Godfather's Pizza or Goodfellas? Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Obviously was... supposed to be Godfather's. <laughs> Unless Goodfellas Pizza is a thing. That was cool. I like how he just walks in the store and then walks out with, <laughs> you know, just delivering. I think to myself, like, they don't give you a car to deliver. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he boosted a car to deliver in. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's probably accurate. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. That's all he knows. So It was a cute moment, though. Like, in the stuff with the diner, 
or the, not the diner, but the, at the dinner at the fancy restaurant. I didn't catch that it's the same fancy restaurant, or it is the restaurant that Buddy mentions to Darling after the first heist. I did not catch that until later when I watched the movie a second time. I was like, oh, there you go, movie. I appreciated that. And I was thinking when I was watching this, when after they go to the, the, the restaurant, he dropped and baby drops her off. Bill, was that kiss earned? Absolutely earned. 1,000%. <laughs> oh, good, Goodfellas pizza is a thing, by the way. Oh, okay. Is it in Atlanta? I don't know. <laughs> trying to find out, but I don't think so. Okay. I was just curious now that it came up. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure this doesn't feel like it's, I don't know. Let me, I'll, I'll update yeah. everybody once I, I mean, find out. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, as far as the, as far as the, the, the case, it absolutely is. It's the, the movie's done all the requisite work to get us to a point where that feels very natural and real and lived in. Yeah, this is kind of textbook how to make a, a romance work feel, feel earned. Because it takes the time. And the movie, when a movie does, when it slows down, it slows down for the right reasons. It slows down to develop this character, this very important relationship in a very natural way through dialogue, them communicating, through them doing things, mundane things like going to the laundromat, which is, again, so adorable, which I've I've been very lucky. When I lived in New York, I went to the laundromat often until I realized going to the laundromat sucks. So then I started just paying people to do my laundry for me. I just like to drop like washing poles. <laughs> I hated doing laundry. I can't stand. I could never stand <sighs> sitting in a laundromat. I'm I like, loved it. I I just I just could never. I would. I never. Oh, for some reason I just never liked being in a laundromat. So the the, the idea that his idea of a wobbly little first date is a laundromat, it just again shows how much he he is attracted to her and uh, how much a connection they have. Because boy oh boy, I don't know if I would do it. <laughs> I never had a problem with laundromat. I. There was a little while when, when I, I lived in a shitty apartment. I mean, they had laundry, but I was like, oh, I'll just, and I, I don't remember going there, but that's about it. Never had a problem, though. I also didn't live in New York, so <laughs> maybe that plays a part. <laughs> I, I do really like, though, at the, at the dinner when Kevin Spacey's like, yeah, you're still you're still working for me. <laughs> like, this ain't over with. I think that's just really well done. And that brings us to the last heist. Because, yeah, this, the last heist starts at around, like, the 48-minute mark of this movie mm. when he picks him up. And that's when all the shit hits the fan, really. Or starts to like, I, I was thinking to myself, like, because he sends him into the post office to go in there first. And Doc's like, I can't go in. I wonder, I'm assuming Doc has to be somebody of, in, of known, of knownness too. That's why I took it. Yeah. Like they never really go into it, but the fact that Doc knows all these people and all of these things, like he's got to be somebody of some importance that people would yeah. recognize. Yeah. yeah, he's got he's got a notoriety. He's he's definitely a notorious uh, criminal in Atlanta. He's well known. He's well known probably by the police. You know, they're one of those deals. You just can't pin anything on him. Uh, yeah, he's clearly um, a big player. And with the confidence in which he understands how this he knows how this world works, like it's baby. Oh, oh, sweet child. You really thought you could just pay off your debt and not do this again? Oh, 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 my dear. Oh, no, you you, you don't know. You're, you're here. You're stuck. <laughs> Don't worry. The money will be worth it. You'll be rolling it. And you'll get out of this terrible apartment complex. Don't worry. Trust me. I got this figured out for you. My secret fantasy, not so secret because I'm about to tell y'all, but like, <laughs> I think Doc is the mayor of Atlanta. Like, that's what I want to believe. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Or like some, you know, similarly public facing position. Like people know his face. He didn't want to go into the post office. Yeah, <laughs> like literally did not want to go in there. I so I also like the fact with that kid, like when he has he sends a little kid to go with him. Oh, 
Sam's the best. Uh, and all I can think of when that kid goes in there is I kept thinking of oh what he was playing. He's playing a Vita. Yeah. Was it a Vita? <laughs> was it a Vita or a PSP? It was a, it was a, a Vita. Vita. Okay, I wasn't sure which it's one. It's fatter. But... It's fatter around than the PSP is a smaller. Yeah. So it. I could. Yeah, I picked it. I mean, you never see the front of it, unfortunately, but just by the shape, I was. Yeah. I. I <laughs> It's funny, huh? You could can you believe I picked that out immediately when I knew exactly what it was? You oh, on a video too. game on a video game podcast? I just could I couldn't identify it as a PSP or a Vita, but yeah, that's pretty great. <laughs> I had a Vita for a very little while. I love my Vita. It's my friend. I regret. I, I bought it for my for my girlfriend at the time, and I, I regret <laughs> not buying one for myself instead. But <laughs> well, there's your lesson: never buy things for loved ones. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, because I the Vita, I wouldn't mind having sometimes. Like you know, that's a great machine for emulation too. And Vita games still can't be emulated off Vita yet. They haven't really made a Vita emulator. Well, hopefully Sam held on to his. <laughs> so I always think about that about with that system. Like eh, I, I, you know, I don't have access to it. Did we, did we did we talk about the iPods yet? Because I don't know. I'm sorry because I had to jump out a few times. Have we talked we about not. The, the litany of iPods and no. how wonderful that is and how I could talk for probably an hour just on iPods itself <laughs> and the different generations? <laughs> I really appreciate his uh, – I think he's a fourth fourth or fifth generation, the color iPod. I think that's the one that probably does video. I think that's fourth or fifth generation does video. And that's probably a 120 gig is my guess. I had a 160 gig, which was the biggest one you could possibly have. And I just loved iPod culture, I don't know. There's something very, very, very nostalgic for me about the iPod. Uh, I have a lot of heart for it. Never left home without mine. And seeing somebody have the same kind of relationship with his and all the different iterations. <laughs> he has like a small shuffle. He has like a, a uh, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Well, I could talk about iPods for a while because I really have a heart for them. It so, was a cool moment. <laughs> it, it well, I mean, I have no love for iPods or Apple products in general. I never, I never owned an iPod. I used to sell them at Target. So I like, but it was cool. He had, and he kept everything. He has the one that he had in the car crash with his parents, and you see that a couple times. Yeah, and like when he's stealing all these cars, that's what he takes. He takes iPods. He takes sunglasses. Edgar Wright talked about that in an interview. Like that's why he has that collection is because they were in cars. Oh, I did not catch that. I didn't. I didn't. That didn't catch that either. That makes a lot of sense. Of course, that does. Yeah. I'm really glad that Edgar Wright has talked a lot about this movie because. He explains a lot of things that you would have missed otherwise. That's fascinating. He's a he's a really good director. I yeah, definitely really I need to see Last Night in Soho. I think we're going to plan that <laughs> sooner than later. So and then the kind of with the post office heist, you can really feel the tension is different too. even leading up to it. You can just there's such a different feeling to it. How baby doesn't want to be there. Uh, how bats is just fucking nuts. <laughs> I mean, you see it pretty quickly, like how much he just does not like him. And the guy already proved he can drive. He got him out of a bad situation. You know, like that heist wouldn't have been that bad. But with the soldier, with the soldier guy, like they were almost in trouble. They were in trouble. Yeah. I mean, they almost didn't <laughs> like make it out. That. Like he was a good fucking driver. Like you think you'd be more respected of it, but you just he not. just doesn't feel like something's right. I, I did like the hex songs part where you talked about when the guy's like, yeah, hex songs are playing knocking on heaven's door in Hotel California and he won't. You know, I did like that. And he's like, yeah, and he died shortly after. But not because of the heist. Like, yeah, because you killed him. <laughs> he wouldn't get out of the car. Yeah, like, honestly, there are hex songs. 100%. And Hotel California is actually a famous hex song. It actually is, yeah. Okay. I mean, I can believe it. I mean, that song is not... I mean, it's a great song, but it's not a... If you listen to the lyrics, it's not a good thing what's happening. 
Yeah, it's heroin, the musical. We get it. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. I thought it was okay. That makes sense. Right. Yeah, like uh, I don't, I don't want to start talking about it because I'm gonna, I'm not gonna stop. So I want to save it to talk about <laughs> later. Okay. <laughs> but that baby decides he's had enough and he's he's going away. He's leaving the crew before the heist, taking off at two a.m. with Deborah. Because originally they weren't going to spend the night there. They were just going to go there, meet up, and but then since they're 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 sent to go get more guns, and it goes so badly. This. This is a good scene, though, too. I love this scene for one very, well, for a lot of specific reasons. But I was so happy to see Paul Williams. Who's Paul Williams? Paul Williams was the guy that played the butcher. Yeah, oh, the, the guy in the, the white suit. like Colonel Sanders. Yeah. Paul Williams is an Academy Award winning songwriter, music supervisor, actor. He is a god. He was swan in Phantom, at the, Phantom of the Paradise which is an amazing movie that everybody should watch if you like Rocky Horror at all. He, he's he got a connection here. He was the voice of the Penguin in Batman the Animated Series. Oh, okay. Like, he has done so many things. Voice actor, in-person actor. He wrote The Rainbow Connection, that song that Kermit the wow. Frog sings. Really? I didn't, that I didn't know. Wow. Yeah. Like, he wrote Rainy Days and Mondays. For the Carpenters, like, he has written so many amazing, award-winning songs. Last night I listened to uh, Just an Old Fashioned Love Song by Three Dog Night and got it in everybody's head because Paul Williams wrote that song. Oh, that's cool. So, like, he's just, he's a joy. Always somebody that I love seeing pop up in things. And to see him here, I was just like, ah, yay! Uh, it's just a good scene where they're just, you know, not talking about guns and they're just calling them pork. And then you find out they're all police too, which kind of went along with the pun. I'm like, okay, that's, uh, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. The, the pun, the pun, but that's, yeah, it's fine. It, it it works in the, in the, in the scene it's in. It's fine. Yes. Yeah. Just keep, baby, I don't know. I, like, oh. what was the point of saying just, why not just say what you are? I didn't under like say what they are. Why are you using pork puns? And like, why? Because, because why we are you? in, because we are in a, a bunch of different movies. We are in a film noir <laughs> style. Like it's, this is the closest I think the movie gets to being overwritten personally. Like all this, the, the, the belabored pork, uh, you know, this is the, this is the prime shoulder. And this is like the pork button. This is, and all those like analogies. That's again, that's the closest I think this movie gets to being overwritten, but it's so charming and fun. And again, the delivery is good and the acting is good. It's fine. I, it's, it's very, uh, it's very believable in this heightened world that uh, Edgar Wright's created. Yeah, it was just like, I mean, and so for a little part, I mean, when they do find out that they're police and you end up gunning everybody down, I'm like, okay, well, they're police and, you know, is it a sting? But then you find out and how they work for Doc. <laughs> yeah. And this is where you're like, okay, bats cannot be trusted. No, because they didn't shoot first. <laughs> no, they did not. There is no way. I think he knew it from the beginning because he tells baby to get out of the car right from the beginning and, and come with them. Like he had no intention of, you know, not being crazy like he, he already went into it with that mindset i just mm, i do like I it when the one guy's like what's he listening to how the fuck do i know <laughs> i thought that was funny it really made me laugh that the one guy was just like what you know like why are you at like what is you know he recording us like are people that stupid if you're gonna record somebody it ain't gonna be obvious ever no but you know you gotta you gotta you're you're a cop and you're doing something shady you you, you gotta be on guard you're already paranoid yeah, you know, and 
I don't know. The fact, okay, this is where, and like, shame on me for not noticing, but the first time I watched this movie is when I noticed that the shootout scene here was almost perfectly timed with the music. That's what I was like, oh. Sensational. Oh, that's what they're doing. Oh. And then I went back and watched the movie again, and I was like, oh, the whole thing thing is like this uh-huh it's 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 such a yeah this is really where it becomes very prominent but you're right like all throughout the movie i'm i'm picking up on those little things those little those beats and the and how everything's kind of lining up with the music and just marveling at how wonderful that is but that's a testament to how well integrated this is is because you don't notice it until you really there are moments where you it's very obvious but you're right it happens throughout the entire film and mm-hmm. Again, that's just a great example of how well integrated the sound and the music and the action is on screen. But yeah, the, having the the gunshots pop to the downbeats and the accents and the song, it's just, again, it's the best parts of a music video just extended for two hours. It's one, it's really <laughs> wonderful. And I, I really like that one critic who said it's a postmodern musical. Yeah, yeah. It's a musical without show tunes. It's really, really is because it's so integral and drives the action forward so uh, effectively and efficiently i just i didn't really catch it either until the very end when he throws the grenade out and, and the, the the explosion of the grenade goes with tequila do, 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 do. i that's all i could <laughs> it's all i could focus in on that's all i was watching was at the, at the time if if i was ever distracted it was because i was in marveling on how everything was just lining up so beautifully to the music it's kind of like i used to do this a lot and maybe this is just a me weird thing but when i when i drive I always was in tune with how the windshield wipers would would sometimes wipe to the sound of the radio. And I always would love those little moments when, for me, it was these weird little just like lovely moments of zen when the windshield wipers of my car would wipe in time with the music on the on the radio. Oh, and, and other people's turn signals? And other Ooh. people's turn signals, yes. Oh, I did not catch that. Yes. And th- these are like little moments of, of zen for me in usual everyday tedium and the fact that there are moments where this does happen when the wipers do work along with the music is so wonderful and so it just satisfies me on a very personal level like it's like scratching an itch that i didn't know i had it's so lovely that's that that is that's the kind of vibe i have this entire movie things syncing up like things lining up I I've, I play drums and I've been playing. I played drums since I was a kid in like middle school. I was in marching band and did all that stuff. So for me, rhythm is is important. And whenever things just line up rhythmically, it is just lovely. It is just like the world is in order and in balance. And I am everything is right when things line up. Heaven save you. Heaven save you. And, and, and fair listener, if you are this person, there is growth to be had. So please, please try to grow. I, I can't handle when people clap on the ones and threes. Like I can't handle it. It is like nails in my skull when people clap to the ones and threes of songs. It's like, I can't, I can't. It's There's dissonance. A, a fun fact about the music that I didn't catch. I didn't catch this, but some, I was try, I was, I was going to actually try to, but I wasn't able to. If you listen to this movie with headphones on, when he takes out the different ear, the, the music only comes out of the one ear that you had that, yeah. that he has yep. in. I think that's a really cool touch too. They did that. Yep. yep, I had I had a uh, headphones on. I, I I busted out the really nice headphones for this uh, listening. Nice. I, I I I set it up. I knew what I was getting into, so I'm like I'm gonna enjoy this. And it was yeah, it's exactly right. That's how I watched this morning too with my Sennheiser earbuds, my noise canceling ones. I just I was in the movie, and whoo, 
I was watching this with my $10 earbud, sir. <laughs> That I use to record this podcast for the last five I, years. I had my, uh, I was, I had my, I busted out the uh, Sennheiser 598s, the open air over the ear to get that real Ooh. expansive sound stage. Plugged it into my little mini DAC on the on the on the computer here. Oh, lovely. I treated myself this time around. I, Fair I, enough. Intentionally, I intentionally treated myself. Ten dollar Panasonic earbuds. <laughs> it's still good. I mean, it's still good. They work. That's what I've been using for. I, I'm not a big. Anyone listen to the show? I'm not a big sound guy. Like I'm just not. Like I could hell. I'm watching a movie right now with no sound on, and I'm completely okay with it. That I like the movie, but like I'm just a weird guy with sound and music and, and stuff like that. Like I'm just so. But I did really like. That's another thing that's kind of surprised how much this movie impressed me with stuff when I'm not a sound guy. If but, I had the means, I would be a head. Yeah. If I if I had the means, I would be a headphone dork. I would have. Oh, I, I, get I would have. 15 different types for different musical styles. I would, I would absolutely, absolutely be that, be that annoying person with like a little rack of headphones as, as it sits, I have four or five. And, right. When yeah. I worked at target, I worked with a guy and this was one of my first introductions to that type of like audio file people, not nothing bad to say. I just didn't understand it. And like the guy was like, yeah, you know, he's like, I want to buy some headphones. I'm like, Oh yeah, we have some right here. He's like, no, I want one that are, you know, like these like 200 at the time. This is like 2009. $200 headphones that were made out of wood or something. And I'm just like, oh, you can just go buy some for five bucks right next to us. Like, what? Like, I didn't understand it. I'm like, how would you, I'm like, you could buy a 360 for around that price. Like, what are you thinking? Like, that's how my brain went. But now I get it. So, audiophile gear is, is one of the biggest scams in the world. But there is a, a difference between a hundred their pair of headphones and like a 300. Between a three hundred and a thirty thirty thousand, I don't know. I'm not that sophisticated, but that's very funny. That the the wood for resonance to the ohms and uh, yeah, I the <laughs> the audiophile gear can get ridiculous and very pretentious. So it's it's totally understandable <laughs> the reaction. I just think it's just funny. I just don't think about it much because I'm just such a and my the and the best part of my my father is a more an audiophile guy. Like he. Hell, he freaking made his own surround system in his house with hooking up speakers. His speakers are not the entire house. And he has his wired around. He's doing that since like the 90s, like since I was a kid. And he loves sound and music. He's like, I don't like live albums. I want to hear it, you know, the way it recording the studio sounds better. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> you're right. But live well, is something else. But no, I just, and then here I am, a guy who could care less about sound sometimes. So I just find it funny. Weird. But okay. <laughs> like, I've, I've never made any secret of the fact that i just don't get you with music sometimes oh that's fine i don't get myself i, I it's i it's <laughs> okay, an I don't, it's 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 one of your many charms mike i don't Alberton. understand how a guy i love it grew up listening nothing but rock music love 70s and 60s music some 80s all of a sudden became like all i listened to for a good couple of years with nothing but taylor swift that's it and the only reason i stopped is because my wife is like i can't listen to her anymore so i just don't play music in the car <laughs> but, <laughs> so you drive in silence we do. I don't play music anymore because I just can't like, I, I don't know. I just can't, I just get annoyed because I, I don't pay for Spotify or anything anymore either. So I'm like, I got all this commercials. I'm just like, you know what? We're just driving. We'll just talk. We'll just drive in silence. I do put on, when I drive long distance, I put on podcasts a lot because I need yeah. podcasts to keep my ass awake. Oh no. If I need to stay awake and alert, it's, I have driving playlists. Oh yeah. Dependent okay. on weather, on road type. I get serious about my playlists. <laughs> Third heist, last heist, <laughs> pulling us back on track. <laughs> yes, the final, the final heist, final uh, stanza of this movie. So, baby has decided that 
he's leaving. And at two o'clock in the morning, he's out. He sees Buddy and Darley sleeping and Bats is asleep. And he's sneaking out, going down to a car, holds out of his space. And boom, there's Buddy. Fully dressed, by the way. No mean feet. Like, I applaud the cardio necessary for that one. <laughs> and then Bats shows up. And they think something's wrong. And Bats has found the recorder, which is why you don't record criminals. Yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, and he, he, he tries yeah. to explain. I mean, like, well, he also screwed himself when he lied and said, I live far away. And they, I think they knew he did. Yeah. That's the part where he kind of fucked himself, where it's like, you know, there was a way out of it. But also, my guess is if you're recording, you're not just. I mean, unless he's hitting record just at certain times, he's probably recording a lot more of the conversation than what we're hearing. So, and he <laughs> tells them that he does it to make songs, which we see early in this movie too. Yeah, well, we know it's true, but like they, their immediate reaction—that is the most bullshit of bullshit. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's and like like Johan says, it's it's so it's so bullshit. It's it actually sounds real. Like it's it's so implausible that it might actually be real. And this is a this is a great example of baby not belonging here. Like Joe is right. He does not belong in this world because these criminals, they, and this is their job. These are professionals. They look at him and he says he lives far away. They kind of look at each other like, all right, really? Now we're <laughs> dealing with an amateur. Right. And this is this is, you know, Jamie Foxx has Jamie Foxx has a lot of Mr. Blonde energy in this in this movie. Yes. Lots of Mr. Blonde, which is which is which is a which is nothing but a compliment. And he and he has this this air of a professional almost trying to school him a little bit like, hey, you're in this life. We know how this is. We've all been in your shoes. A newbie who just wants to do a quick, quick, quick few scores and get out. But this life is attractive because it is risky and fun and you're using your talents and you make a boatload of money. And hey, this is great. You may want to learn. We, we now have to kind of check ourselves and we really have and this is like an education moment as well as a just a cover a cya moment for them as well so it's really great and this turn is because now he's in now he's in the criminal element he's not just the guy driving the car he is now one of the group and this is his first taste of what it's like to be a career criminal like this is the risk you live with and he's associated with murder now and yeah he's seen some murder now yeah he's seen murder he's yeah so it's very interesting and I mean, I don't is, know what he was thinking leaving at 2 a.m. Like, he was just going to be able to just get out of there and they weren't going to notice. Like, yeah, they don't trust anyone in the first place. Like, they're paying attention to what's going on. So, yeah, and, and no one's having a restful sleep. No one's in like a deep REM situation here. And before their big heist moment, it's him just not understanding the world he's in and, and underestimating yeah. the people he's around and understanding, just not understanding. And we do have that small scene before this when they stop at the diner where he doesn't want to go to the diner. And when he actually, he doesn't know who Deborah is. And I like how she picks up on it immediately as something's wrong and she doesn't press it. She's just like, okay, I'll just do my job. And you know, but she picks up on it immediately. I like that. And I think what Jamie Foxx, Bats was going to shoot her. Wasn't he? Like that was what was about to happen. Yep. For what? That scene before, but he said he wanted gum. So oh yeah. He shot the guy. Doesn't he? Bats shot the guy at the gas station and took some gum. Is that, that makes sense to Bats. That makes, yeah. that makes perfect sense. Why would I pay for this? I had this weapon in my hand that I have no problem using. Let's this, you know, Hey, yes, I understand. I'm, I'm hammering in a nail with a, damn it. I had a, I had an analogy in my head. Yes. I'm where I'm a jackhammer. Yes. Thank you. Okay. I was, yes. I'm where I'm hammering a nail with a jackhammer. I know this tool is not really designed for this purpose, but it's what I got. So way we go. 
yeah, again, it's scary. The unpredictability of bats is, is such a good wild card and adds so much tension to this, to a scenario in a situation where everyone is a professional, everyone understands the, the roles they're supposed to play in the different pieces. Yeah, having this wild card is really important and good. And, he, and Jamie Foxx doesn't go full crazy. He's, he, is, he is unhinged and he's unreliable, but, but he's he still... But he makes sense. Yeah, yeah. He, he lives within his own sense of morality, which which is what I think, you know, let's say well-written villains, you know, like like a No Country for All Men, where Anton Chigurh is not he's not a psychopath. He just lives on a different set of rules than everybody else. That's kind of what we're seeing here with with Bats. And that scene in the diner with Bats and Buddy, ooh, uh, when yep. Bats nails it right on the head about who Buddy is. Oh, man, you can just see John Hamm like. Buddy's just getting angrier and angrier, but it's a quiet anger. Like you can see the jaw tighten up. You can see the eyes squint more like just the little thing. This movie proves that the devil is in the details. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he smolders. It's like a smoldering, like, yes, a cooking fire. Yeah. That's great. Oh, it's oh, so yeah, good. No, you can just, yeah, you can just sense that anger in him and that he did a good job with that. Uh, but that's like that. That whole thing proves that Bats knows more than he ever lets on. And he will pull out that knowledge if necessary and did. And Buddy did not like it <laughs> at all. No. Yeah. <sighs> he's he's prepared. He's prepared for he's he's prepared. He's a he's a again. He's a pro. He's a professional. This is what he does. This is his job. And and he's prepared and he has these things at his disposal. It's great character. And Jamie Foxx is so good in this. And. He could have gone over the top with this role. A lot of actors, I think, would have gone like way over the top with like the crazy wild card criminal role. But he plays this just right, and he's very, very, very good in this. There's a small scene that I, I really appreciate when they're listening to the tapes when they're about to. When I'm pretty sure they were about to kill him. I don't know why, but I really liked it when Darlene says, "This is bananas." B a n n a n s, and it just made me laugh. I don't know why uh, the way that. She delivers it where she just has her feet up on the table. It just makes me crack up. I just. Mm-mm. They were going to kill him, weren't they? I'm assuming that's what's about to happen. Oh, he, yeah. If he didn't do the job. Well, like, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't a go home situation. <laughs> if, if he wouldn't do the job, if he was, if those tapes had been anything other than songs, like he said they were, he was not leaving that room. No. I mean, I'm. I was also kind of thinking to like, did, was there a way out of this for him? Like, after he did the job, would they have killed him? I I don't think so. You know, but they also did cross the line. They went to his house. They you know beat up Joe, stole his wheelchair. Like you know, like they crossed the line for him too, where it became too real. Like they're you know, and he wanted out. And then you get to then you finally get to the post office scene, and this is a good. I mean, they, they kind of are, I mean, because this heist was already, was this heist, this heist went correctly until, until he decides to, you know, take a detour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this heist went correctly until baby shook his head. No. Yep. Yeah. Because she, cause, cause he, the, the teller at the post office is walking down the street doing the work, recognizes him. Cause they had a nice little, a very nice conversation the day before kind of waves at him. And he gives her the shake of the head. No, like, no, don't go to work. And she immediately understands something is wrong. Going from the leap, that's a leap uh, of of trust and logic. That's a little tough for me to swallow. But getting a police officer or, 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 or but a security guard or somebody of authority to come over and see what's going on. That's where it all kind of goes. Sideways. I think it's more of they were both going into work 
like that was the armed guard that was going into work. So she just grabbed the guy and said, hey, can you, you know, check this out with me? Because I, I didn't catch it the first time. The first time I thought the same thing, but the second time I watched it, I was, I was thinking, I think he's supposed to be the guy that works at the post office. But yeah, I don't know. Plus, he has his wipers on. Well, no, it's rainy. I don't know. I'm not sure. But I, that's how I took it. And the fact that the guy is parked right behind the back door. <laughs> I mean, that's a little suspicious, too. And he's in a spot where he shouldn't be. Like, he's not really parked. Yeah. He's, like, he's in a driveway. He's right next to the driveway. So he's kind of in a odd spot. But right as the security guard's coming up to talk to baby, then the alarm starts going off. Then it all goes shithouse in the most spectacular way. So why did he kill Bats? It's because, well, Bats hits him, hits him in the face with a shotgun, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, he I knocked off the glasses. And that's when he just fucking murders him. <laughs> I love that. He just drives him straight into a fucking hook. Yeah, I just think it was just like a him. stack of rebar. But, and real quick, you don't see it, but you see, unless you're looking for it, you don't see baby disable the passenger airbag. Right oh, before the impact. Doing. Yeah. Like that just shows how much, you know. Can you even do that in a car? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Well, like, why have the passenger airbag on if there's no passenger? Oh, good point. Because it also that costs a ton of money, by the way, in your car. Yeah. So I can so. lead your car being total if you get into an accident. If they deploy the bay- airbags, it's so expensive to fix it. Mm-hmm. I know this for a fact. <laughs> so. <laughs> Not me. I wasn't in an accident, but I, I know someone that wasn't an accident. And they're like, yeah, the airbags went. So your car is done. <laughs> but like, you know, once once that happens, like you're expecting this grand car chase to end after this heist. But yeah. no, car's out of commission now. And the song they play is uh, Hocus Pocus by Focus. Yep. I know this song, actually. And I completely forgotten. I haven't thought about this song since before I was in high school. My father like, was big into music, and at some point, early days of me downloading or something, he, he gave me a couple songs to look up. This was one of them, Hot Porn, which I, by Hot Butter, instrumental. I still really like that fucking song. I would listen to it. I love I that really song. That I, I, I would turn that up as loud as it goes and just listen to that song. And I had forgotten the song existed. All of a sudden, like, I know this song. It felt so good to have the song playing while he's just running for his life from the cops. I really appreciate it. And this is, I think, this is really fascinating to me, at least, because, like, you want that last car chase. You don't get that last car chase. What you get is a foot chase shot like a car chase. Oh, yeah. I didn't catch exactly. that. That's so good. You're right. It's exactly right. It has the same energy and pacing of a car chase, yet it's on foot. It's very, yeah, well said. That is very accurate. And yep. when, he, when he goes to a, st- a store in the mall and steals a jacket and a hat, all I could think of when he put the hat on was Marvel movies. And, oh, he got the Marvel disguise. <laughs> doesn't that's work fair. for him, which makes sense. But it just made me think of the Marvel. Because in every Marvel movie, that's their disguise. Oh, put on a hat. Oh, they won't recognize us. Yeah, except it here it plays out like it would in real life. It yeah. doesn't fucking work. <laughs> it's a hat. Yeah, I just like Winter Soldier. what he does. Puts on a hat. Or the part where they're like, hey, let's kiss. They won't. <laughs> that way they don't look at us. <laughs> oh, man, though. What a chase scene this was. Like, this was a great on foot. You got some hardcore parkour in there. It doesn't end. Always oh, yeah. makes me happy. It's a long scene. I mean, he chases, he steals a car, he crashes into Buddy and Darling, which I thought was hilarious because they had stolen another car. <laughs> and this is where Buddy calls Baby a jinx, yep. which is you're fair. a jinx. Very fair. And this is where the shootout happened. Oh, it's another good scene where it's oh. very what natural. Is this very much natural born killers? I don't. I've never seen the movie, but I know of it. Oh, God. This is more Bonnie and Clyde yeah, than it is. Okay. Yeah, that's more Bonnie and Clyde. That's kind of what I was going to say. Yeah. Like, oh, man. Baby gets shot in the arm. 
And, well, no, not having that. Arms stretched out. First off, wrong way to fire a gun. That's stupid. You got to adjust for the recoil. Otherwise, you're on your ass. But she didn't need the recoil's help. She ended up there anyway after she gets, what, six shots thrown in her? I just watched it. It's more than six. Let's see if I can count in that time. But it's a lot. They shoot the hell. I mean, again, she is firing at cops with two submachine guns. Like, yeah, you're not. They're not going to, you know, hold their fire. This isn't like, you know, shoot to stop. This is no, uh, you are a danger to us and everyone around us right now. You got to be stopped. You got to be literally put down. Literally spraying and praying, and it's because, like you said, you cannot be accurate holding two submachine guns like that, two assault rifles. That's no. yeah, that's you have to do it like Don Ham did, which is you know cradled up. You have to like, absorb that recoil and control. And yeah, she just went out there and just said, "I'm going out in the blaze of glory." I saw this in a movie once. I know we're not getting out of this. I'm a professional. I've done this before, so I'm just gonna go out like the badass action star that I am. And she does. And she has taken down. Oh. It is it is actually pretty sad. I mean, depending on at this point, like you're looking at years and years and years, your whole life is going to be over. Like, why not just go out in a fiery, you know, it's it's quick. You're shot and killed. I'm not saying I would, but I would, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if you got to go out, have, be a story it's, to be told. It's eight shots, by the way. She takes eight shots. All right. But the, also the shots are to the, the first six. Or to the well, actually, I think all eight are to the sound of the beat. It's like it's like do, 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 right to the yeah. It's, the entire shootout is yeah so to the song. Everything Again. everything in this movie is 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 to the soundtrack is to the rhythm of the of the music. It's that's some inc- editing, by the way. It's inc- it's incredible. Some it's, editing has some shooting like that. That's impressive that they were able to do that. Yeah, like just thinking about how much it took to shoot this movie is giving me a preemptive ulcer. Yeah, it's giving me an anxiety attack. Like it gives it may, it's the idea how how much planning, careful planning and choreography mm-hmm. to execute even the littlest thing like going to get coffee is ridiculous. Oh, and then he steals another car, but I, I when he steals from the that random woman, I that's another good scene where he just gives her the purse. He's like, I'm sorry, here you go, here's your purse. That was nice. I, I like he how he apologized. won't move the car until he gets the right music on. He has to get a song on before he can move the car. I love and that song. <laughs> oh, the song. I love Golden Earring, too. Oh, Radar Love. Radar Love is on my top five driving songs of all time. So when that came on, I clapped like a moron. <laughs> you weren't in a theater. It's completely fine. <laughs> I I still that every time that scene happens, I just I get so happy inside. So I was like, yeah, I think that, too. <laughs> oh. Uh, he runs home. He goes to get Joe. So I really appreciate this moment where he picks up Joe. He grabs a bunch of the money that not even all the money, just some of the money that they have that he has tucked away so he can give it to Joe. And then he drops Joe off at an assisted living home. And I, I just cracked up. So cause that's what that was. by the way. <laughs> and Mike is cursing. Damn it. That could have been my quota. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But <laughs> I would just like. Because like you can just tell because all of them have the same like the names of assist living homes have a certain like style to them and the sign had like a leaf or something on with the way the words are and I shit you not a lot of companies do that a lot <laughs> have that they all have that same like there's a certain style to it and I was like I recognize that immediately because I live this world now 
<laughs> oh, I just thought this was hilarious. A little touch that like a normal person wouldn't pick up on, but a guy who works in that field unfortunately does. <laughs> I mean, it just it amused me so much. <sighs> it was good. And then I do like how the, the cops show up to it. They're like, you know, and then the Joe's like, just, you know, does the sign language. Good luck <laughs> to them. I love that. So good. Still, he's still rooting for the kid, even though he's like, I know this is where you want to be. I hope I'll see you again someday. And <laughs> yeah, cops, good luck. You're going to need it because he drive. Oh, he drive. It's a little sweet moment too, where he records the tape recorder for him and he just tells him, he's like, hey, you know, this is what things he likes because he can't, you know, because he's deaf. So I thought that was really sweet, too. It's a sweet little moment. Like you're being chased by the police and here you're taking time to make sure that, you know, he's OK. And you're giving them just some information to help him at least to start with because he's, you know, he's hurt by what he's doing. And I think then, yeah, then he goes to the diner, which gets to the last part of this uh, movie or near the end. Yeah, the last part of this movie, really. Oh, oh boy. That Man. is I, I, I do like when he walks in, Deborah's like, your buddy's here. You know, I mean, <laughs> double fun. <laughs> and having Barry White's never, never going to give you up playing during this scene. Oh, God. It really made me, appre- this movie made me appreciate Edgar Wright a lot more than I have. And hell, that fucker made one of my favorite movies of all time. And I'm like, he's a good director. He is just, he is something else. And this cast is something else too. Like the menace that, buddy has when he's talking about you know when he's singing along with the song i'm never never gonna quit because quitting just ain't my shtick and you know that he is gonna chase baby to the ends of the earth one of them has to die one of them's gotta go this is it yeah it's so great and again and the movie even when the movie's taking these times to pause and linger doing it on the perfect moments this is a perfect moment to linger on to really cement now this this adversary Here's here's the big bad. Here's our adversary as a film goer. Like, oh, here's the final final confrontation. Yeah, it's just wonderful. <sighs> the, the tension is so good in this scene. And when the cop shows up and they think, okay, he's coming for them, and he's just like, hey, you gotta, I need the bathroom key. <laughs> you know, just going through a very normal thing. You know, yeah. you're working late night. You got it. You know, there's not like there's not a lot of places open. I get that. <sighs> and the moment that Buddy. Ask baby, is she a good girl? You love her? Baby says, yes, I do. And Debbie looks over and is like, oh, oh, he said it first. Like, that was cute. Uh, I didn't and, then, catch that. and then Buddy just kind of looking so sad at the moment that he just says, that's too bad. Ooh. <laughs> oh, God. Because <laughs> John Hamm does such a good job. So much menace. Oh, and the actress that plays Deborah too, she is really good in this, too. Her name is... Lily James. Yep. Lily James. Just so good. The only British actor in this I don't movie. know her from anything else. I don't think I've seen her in anything, maybe, or I just don't realize it. I'm looking up her catalog. Yeah, I've never seen anything she's in other than I, I, I see Mamma Mia once, but she's in the second one, which I never saw. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't see any of her movies ever. Okay. Yeah. Oh, she's an Iron Claw. That's fun. I haven't seen that yet, but I'm gonna. That's a movie that came out. Oh, yeah, this year. Yeah. With a really, really buff Zach Efren, right? Yep. It just seems odd. <laughs> All about wrestling. Yeah, I'm good. But baby shoots Buddy in the shoulder. Fucking deserves it. Well, deserve it or not, this is baby doing his first, like, I am, I'm not part of this world. I'm not part of this world. Well, if I have to be part of this world, I'm going to be part of this world. Well, and it's the only way out of this situation. I mean, he doesn't stop. I mean, this guy is. 
not going to stop because he essentially got his wife killed. Yeah. Oh, God. And it is uh, so good. And when the cop comes out of the bathroom and he's like, are you all right? He's like, yeah, I'll show you where I've been shot. He just shoots the cop, too. <sighs> well, I mean, you know, Buddy, essentially, at this point, just he knows it's over. So he's just going to, you know, ride it out. Until, I mean, he has one goal, and that, that is to kill baby at this point. Yep. Now that Darling is dead, all he has left to live for is baby's death. And, oh, God, the final scene in the parking garage. Like, baby goes back, he has the loot, he exchanges it for the tape of his mother singing. Doc gives him some money to get to the border, proving that even, you know, broken clocks are right at least twice a day. Well, it's also showing that, like, Doc, I think Doc knew it was, like, he, I think he... I was surprised he helped him. I guess the guy made him that much money. He's like, sure. And you brought the stuff I wanted. So here's some money. Well, Doc always had like this kind of weird quasi father figure thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're always like, uh, he's not going to do the right thing. He's not going to. Oh, he did the right thing. Oh, I'll be damned. And, and it wasn't until the, horribly. the second time I watched this that after they have that scene and he goes in the parking lot and the, the three cops show up from the drug heist and the guy goes, bananas. And I didn't oh, catch that until so the great. second time because bananas was the key word that they were supposed to say after the job was done right. And Doc just lays him out with a shotgun right away. No question. Well, he knew no what question. he was there for. It wasn't there to be nice. Yep. yep. He, he was well aware. Yep. And these are crooked cops to begin with. So, like, they're not exactly going to be like, okay, we're going to rescue you. No, we're going to fucking murder you because you killed our friends and betrayed us. They thought, even though it just bats us fucking crazy. Oh, after... It's that it's before that part though when he steals the 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 Challenger car. I like that where the guy's like, "Can I have my phone?" No, <laughs> that was good. Not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was very good. And yeah, cannot. this is so fucking funny. <laughs> I wanted to see more of that car. I really like that that car. Is that I think it's a Challenger, isn't it? Mustang something. I don't know cars very well. I just know I like that phone. I don't remember. Car. I feel like a Mustang, maybe. Was it like a Mustang? I can't. Re- I honestly don't remember. Um, it's just a red like car. A, and I just like a modern muscle car. Yeah. I really appreciated the uh, the very first car in the movie, the uh, the Ricks the Subaru WRX. I think it's a Ricks. Mm-hmm. And they're driving around. Yeah, it is. I just a little known thing about old Bill Tucker here. When I was in college, I had a lot of friends who were really into cars. Um, my dad was uh, he worked in auto parts for his entire life, basically. So I spent a lot of time around car parts growing up. And so I, I, I don't ask me to fix anything. I'm not handy at all. But I do appreciate I, I had friends who used to drive um, those Subarus because uh, they're very popular street racing cars. They're very light and they're relatively inexpensive and they are very, very fast and quick acceleration wise. So the fact it was, uh, it was screaming around in a in a in a in a Ricks was, oh, that's really cool. It just it just a little nostalgia hit for old Bill back in the days when I used to go to hang out with friends and do quarter mile drag runs in Jersey and and, and do stuff like that. And the stuff like when they when he when he does get to the warehouse where Doc is, like the part where Doc is putting away all the cars nicely, I just that cracked me up too. It's like, you know you gotta get the fuck out of here and you're just sitting there putting away all your stuff nicely. You know, you're not just throwing it in a box okay. or leaving it. Nope. I thought that was kind of charming. Yep. And well, this is when he realizes that he did the monsters ink line. I did not catch that either earlier. No, like, I didn't. We're friends. There's nothing more important than our friendship. I I, I, I didn't catch that either. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> you little shit. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and then when I rewatched the movie, I was trying to see if any of the other lines they show on the TV, like let's fucking do this from Fight Club, was going to show up somewhere else in this movie. Like he says it to somebody, but he doesn't. It's just a mantra thing. But I was looking for it after that. Uh, like now there, it's there somewhere. I don't remember exactly where, but oh, like I did not catch it. Yeah. Everything he watches 
during that scene where he's like flipping through the channels, all those lines come back again. Okay. And like, that's, I don't know. That's kind of the weird thing because like you got baby recording it, the conversations and repurposing them for music. His brain is recording dialogue and repurposing it for his own interactions. Like it's, it's really cool. Well, a lot of it is just, this is his way of dealing with social, you know, social parts of life. Like, I mean, I get it. You know, that's why he's recording stuff and, you know, and he plays so he can listen back to it if he needed to. Also, like, it's just, you know, it's a thing. I get it. You know, I mean, also the idea would be that this character is kind of autistic, too. I would assume that's kind of what he's going for in a, in a sense. Also, you know, he just processes things differently. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I buy that. So, same. But I do like how right away he picks up, like, when he's like, when the cop, when the guy's like, oh, the cop showed up after. And it's his buddy in a cop car. And I do appreciate that buddy plays or right in rock again, which is the first song that one of the first songs in this movie. Oh, it's baby's killer track. I actually did not know Brighton rock. I know queen, but I didn't do not know that song. I was surprised. So yeah, that's, that's a real good song. And to have that be the final confrontation song is honestly kind of perfect. It was good. I, cause I was thinking it would be killer queen, but I just I, I was just surprised that I also never knew this Queen songs. I know some. I know some of their hits. Like another one bites the dust. Like everybody. But, you know, they went with something more. I felt like more of a deep cut. And, and the it's guy also. Oh, sorry. Sorry, what were you going to say? <laughs> I was going to say, like, it's it was Buddy and Baby's bonding moment. Oh, yeah. Because, like, you know, Buddy asked about, you know, what's your killer track? Baby said this. And then Buddy's like, oh, yeah, you know, my brother used to listen to that. You know, I could hear it through the walls all the time. Like, they were having a good smile about it. It was a bonding moment between the two of them. And now that bond's going to be broken forever to that same song. Love it. Love it. <laughs> yeah, it bookends uh, it really beautifully. Yeah, really great. it does. It's this whole, like, little, like, him driving up the parking lot and then just going back and forth, like, trying to kill Buddy and how long it takes. Like, that's all really good. When Deborah grabs the crowbar, I hate myself for this, but every time I see that, what went in my head was Joker and Robin immediately. <laughs> <laughs> just what came in my head immediately was Joker and Robin. Well, crowbars have been ruined for everybody. It's either that or it's Gordon Freeman from Half Life. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, too, yeah. I read Death in the Family sooner than I played Half Life. So, <laughs> and plus, it, yeah, just <laughs> it's it's good. I mean, and then he doesn't finally die until like they they finally shoot him off. He shoots him in the leg, and then he falls off, and then the car explodes. Like they're like, yeah, he's dead this time. <laughs> oh, so well done. Yeah. Oh, God. The, like, everything comes back to the getting the bigger vehicle just in case they have to ram a cop car. That's what Baby does. Oh, okay. I didn't catch that. Yeah, he gets a truck. He, and he steals so many vehicles in this movie. It's such a GTA vibe. It's, it makes it sound uh-huh. so easy. <laughs> just, just, just CJ from well, the CJ from, from yeah. uh, San Andreas. Yeah. San Andreas. Yep. If, they're, if they're Kias, I can speak for a fact those are really easy to steal. At least they were. So. Unfortunately, I know this because my mother-in-law Mike had Alberton, a Kia. car thief. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my mother-in-law had a Kia and they went to a restaurant and they came out of the restaurant and their car was gone. And we found out that all you have to do to steal a Kia, at least a certain year's Kia, you had a flash drive. You break the window, get in the car, get the USB port, plug in the flash drive. You're good to go. You hotwired the car. That was it. So it wasn't very hard. The Kia finally fixed it. But that's what you had. That's all you had to do at that time. Yep. So, yeah, that's how I know, unfortunately, because I had to go pick them up and I'm they're like, where's my car? And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? And then we found it got stolen. <sighs> oh, man, that's a bummer. She got it back. And, that's but, good. 
because people were stupid. They went to a pawn store and I think they tried to sell her phone that was in the car because it wasn't very long before we got the call. Like, oh, here's your wallet. Here's all your stuff back from the car. It's like, hmm, that's funny. You got that pretty quickly. So I'm pretty sure they were stupid and they went to a pawn store and tried to sell something and show their ID to the pawn store guy. And the pawn store guy went, yeah, thanks. Uh, here, <laughs> here, police. Go find these fuckers. Didn't last long. Moral of the story, if you're going to steal a car, you can't keep driving it. You need to get rid of it. <laughs> so that's my story. And then the end of this movie is Deborah gets, I guess he's unconscious and she just starts driving down the highway, listening to his mom's tape. This is a good scene. And then I was, I, I thought the movie was just going to either end here. I did not. I, I was, I was a little surprised and it shows him get arrested, but that also makes sense. I think this is an extremely smart way of, of concluding this. This is, this is a great subversion because again, we've been expecting baby to get away from, away from this. And this, this is again, great character moment. This has all been extremely well earned. He, when he rolls up, she's, she's ready to roll. She's ready to be the, the Bonnie to his Clyde. She's ready to be on the lamb with her, with her lover and, and hit the road. She's ready for a life of fleeing and she's down for it. She's down for this adventure and he realizes I can't keep running and I can't put this person that I love in danger. Better off just paying the penalty, yeah. get arrested, and and let's let's be free of it completely. Because we'll never truly be free if we're constantly on the lamb on the run. I don't I've tasted what this life is like. Like it this looks good, Deborah. This this looks like a hoot, but boy oh boy, it isn't. So let's Let's just pay the piper. Let's just pay the penalty. We'll do the time. Still young enough, and I'll be a good boy in prison, and hopefully get out in in those five years. And he has five years, evidently. I mean, is, the movie doesn't really say exactly how long he does, but they do say the sentence is twenty five years. The chance for parole after five. So yeah, he does at least five years. And just like also on that bridge, see, I didn't catch it the first time, but the third time, like they pull cars behind him too, so they weren't getting out of there anyway. They were just gotten. Yeah, they were. There was no escape. So he did the right thing. And I thought I was impressed that the movie did that. Like, I thought the movie's just going to end here again, too. I'm like, are they just going to end it with him getting arrested? Like, because they could have. They could have ended this movie a couple different times at this point. And they don't, which I they, appreciate. You, you had to have you had to have the final moment. You needed. I know it sounds cliche for a movie. Well, and I, it's because I, he's not a villain. Exactly. He's not really a villain. Like, you know, you have movies where you watch criminal movies like this guy's a bad person. They deserve this. This is a guy who didn't really deserve where he ended up. He's a he's a good person who does bad things. Yes. And we're we, we're all you know I think most people are are good people who occasionally do bad things. And and that what it speaks to for me is that the consequences are always going to be there. And consequences are irrelevant of to what your initial motive was. When you do things, there are consequences. And I think that's what he learns in that moment, saying. Yeah, I did steal cars. I did shoot people. I shot, you know, I've shot people. I've committed crimes. I deserve, which is a true repentance. Like, it's a repentance. He's, he's, I deserve what I'm going to get. I'm going to accept what I get. And then I'm going to, and then I'll be able to fully move on and learn. And having that cathartic moment where he gets, and that gorgeous car, oh boy. <laughs> Good golly. Why don't you, I don't know cars well enough to know what that is, but I, it's just this beautiful vehicle. Straight out of the fifties, it is. It is perfect. It's a perfect ending to a movie that that's that's how it is. It has to end. Yeah. Mm. And I, okay. Interesting. I like the I, ending too. I'm with Bill, but Ken, okay. what about you? Is it the perfect ending though? Is that real? Oh, that's a very because huh. he does have. I think so. I want to believe. Choosing, I'm going to choose to say so. But I, I go ahead, Ken. I think I, I think I know where you're going with this. But go ahead. 
I want it to be real, but mm. I don't know, man, because he had a dream. The exact same thing happened in the dream. It was in black and white earlier in the film about him and Deborah just getting in a car and driving. And then when he gets out of prison, the exact same thing, coincidentally. Here's my theory. He with told rainbow, her, he told her this dream or he told her this idea. And then she, when she finally gets out of prison, she surprises him. It's also think, the same car. I think it won the postcards too. Uh, puts if, on the wood. If I'm um, like, if you're still watching it, can you see that if he has his scars when he comes out oh. and approaches, because if he doesn't have scars, the movie is now telling you this is indeed a dream and a fantasy. He definitely has the scars on the right side of his face. Okay, so if he has scars, then I then then I would say this is a real thing. He also looks older in this scene, a he little does, bit and, older. And he looks a little older too. Yeah, they age they age him up a little bit uh, for this. They they look a little more mature. I'm trying to uh, see. You can't <clears throat> see the left side of his face very well, which I'm trying to see if like because that. You get one scene of it, but you because I'm trying to see if he has any injuries from there, but he didn't really get scars. But he does have definitely has the two scars that the one on his cheek and the one on his forehead from earlier in right. the movie that they're always there. Well, the, well, yeah, exactly. And that's kind of again, this is me just projecting. I I want to believe this is real. Well, I want to believe this is fairy tale. This ending. is also the same car that is in the postcard that she sends him. He puts on the on the mirror. Yeah. Which so I'm, my my guess is that he that at some point this is my theory. And I'm going to stick with it. That he told her this idea, and then when he finally gets out, she surprises him with the idea. Yeah, he I does what he said. That's just more proof that it could be. I know. I don't want it to be. Like, but yes. <laughs> I think that's interesting. That's a very good. That's a very good point. I think. I think honestly, I'm gonna. I'm gonna side with with Mike on it, and and say a because I desperately want this to be real for him. I want him to have this this reward for paying the penalty for for his repentance for for. Yeah. This reward, he deserves this reward. We all screw up. We all do stupid things in different degrees. Hopefully, none of us on this call has ever shot somebody. <laughs> but I, I mean, it's I've been threatened to get shot I'm, by people, but I never shot. No, I've, ne- I've never shot anybody. I've never stolen a car. I've never stolen a thing. I was a good boy. I stole growing a up when I was a kid. Was <laughs> I never, never stole anything. But you know, we you know, you have consequences for the things you do. That's how life works. That's how it's kind of supposed to work. And his he pays his penalty. I think I definitely accept this. And also the movie has created this heightened world where this kind of fantasy could be real. I'm accepting it as truth because I really don't want to I, I don't want to go through life thinking that baby is now stuck in prison for 25 years and his his, his girl has left. There is a sequel that they're writing that was as, as of a couple of years ago that was in pr- process. So who knows? Maybe this does turn into this weird Lars von Trier, everything is disaster and death and despair, and nothing is what you hoped. I don't know. Maybe. Look, just give me. I'm give me I'm baby just... in Mad Max world. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah, I'm gonna choose the positive side on this one. I'm usually with you, Ken. I'll take the negative stuff because it's just so much fun. But boy, oh boy, no, this one. I baby needs a. He needs. He needs a win. And I'll agree with you. Yeah, I'm not I... saying I want it to be true, but. Oh well, yeah. Fair. I, I think it's a very interesting concept. And I love the idea of I, I just wrote this in the notes as we were talking, how it has almost like this like chrono trigger cr- trial ending where everybody <laughs> in his trial shows up and all the little things that he did that he didn't think was gonna matter actually oh. comes to fruition. If <laughs> the, the, the I appreciate that that reference so much. I, I know you, you know I, I know you do. I know you do. That's why I did it. And uh and even though it didn't really seem to help, <laughs> he still got 25 years for his uh 
But he also got the possibility of parole within five, which I think did help. Yeah, I think yeah. it did help. I think it did help. But yes, and I also don't <laughs> think that that tr- when they're testifying, I don't think it's the same time we think they're testifying. I do. So. I think they were called as character witnesses yeah, specifically yeah, yeah. for that. For the parole, um, not for the original hearing. No, I think it was for the original hearing. You do? Okay. Same. I do. Yeah, I do. I do. Mm-hmm. I do want to talk about the voice of Joe's ASL translator. Uh, it's a voice, and I wouldn't have known if I didn't look it up on IMDb, but that is the great Walter Hill, director of The Warriors and Streets of Fire. Oh my gosh, get out of here. Are you serious? That's really, yeah. that's bizarre. Like, it's wow. It's just such a weird thing, and I'm so happy it's there. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I ain't mad at it. Not one bit. We should do The Warriors at some point. Have you done The Warriors? I have not. I've seen it. I've never done it. We're covered on the show. I've only seen it once. Hmm. I'd be up for it. I think I know the next movie we're doing together that is not going to be on a Patreon poll. I can already tell you what it is, so because I need to see it now. But I also got to say how bummed I am after watching this movie that Ant-Man was not, they did not get Edgar Wright's version of Ant-Man that we were supposed to get. I can't tell you how upset I am now about that. So I'm, I'm bummed. It's, I, I, I don't lose sleep about it. No, I'm not going to lose sleep. I'm just sad that they didn't let him just do what he wanted to, but I guess they were, you know, they're making a universe, so it was different. Yeah, how's that universe working out for him? It worked out great. <laughs> for a so while. they didn't end it. Until they kept going and realized, oh boy, none of these characters are actually any good or fun or. <laughs> Let it go. Yeah, I, over. yeah, I have. I it's been a. It's, I have. Yeah. Well, he can't get into our Marvel conversation, but I will say, um, I like the Ant Man we got. Yeah, I'm kind of with. I do too, that. Like, but yeah, I just, like the Ant Man we got. But... It just made me think about like after watching the movie, mm-hmm. I'm like, man, what it could have been. Yeah, oh, I told, yeah. I told yeah. you. But if we got to get Edgar Wright heist, I'll take this any day of the week. Yes. Yeah. Completely. Yes. Maybe this Before was we, you know, maybe they did this because he couldn't do what he wanted to do in Ant Man, or took ideas from Ant Man that he was going to do, and went, okay, I'll make a heist, my own heist movie. Before we get to the end here, I just want to touch briefly on we've talked about how the songs are used so well. We haven't talked about the songs themselves. Like the soundtrack in this movie is just excellent. It pulls from so many different decades. There's deep cuts. There's popular favorites. I love the soundtrack of this movie. The soundtrack is is beautifully it's beautifully curated. I think that's the best way I could describe it. Yeah, and you're right. It it pulls from so many great genres, and there's classics on there, and there's deep cuts. It's it's one of the, it's a it's the kind of soundtrack like it's like a playlist you get from a friend who really digs music and gets what makes music work. I, you know what I mean? Like this is a well curated list from a from someone I would trust to give me like a playlist. You know. Yeah. Like, Edgar Wright, please send me things. Send me yes. your Spotify <laughs> wrapped or whatever. Yes. Yes. Like, if nothing else, you will always have my devotion for introducing people to the song Know How by Young MC because everybody's like, oh, Young MC, that's the bust a move guy, right? Well, yeah, technically. But like, <laughs> he's done other good songs and this proves it. Know How was the song that he was driving away after he stole the Challenger. And ooh, that song is just sick. It's yeah. such a good song. Brian Rock is a is a, is a great is a slightly deep cut. I would say mm-hmm. deep cut. As, about deep as a deep cut as a Queen song gets, I guess these days. But yeah, it's it's pretty it's deep enough. Yeah, and having uh, the Edge by David McCallum, mm-hmm. who was you know Ducky on NCIS and Ilya Kuryakin on The Old Man from Uncle, but also a very accomplished musician, yep. and just having that 
song play and immediately puts you like, oh, okay, this is next episode by Snoop Dogg. Now, it's a sample, but and did the same thing earlier with the Harlem Shuffle. You hear that beginning and you're immediately like, all right, it's time to jump around, y'all. Nope, it's the original. (laughs) So good. It's 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 extremely good. And obviously this for what Edgar Wright is trying to do here, he it has to be load bearing like this. This has to be curated perfectly and it really is it's this is a i i take i'll take this soundtrack i know it's heresy on this show but i'll take this soundtrack over scott pilgrim every every <sighs> single day that is, you know what well, i'm gonna second it i don't care yeah it's not heresy. I, it's I, just me i'm the only i mean i will take this soundtrack my yeah much this is a good soundtrack. soundtrack so good like I can't even the only song i know in scott pilgrim's is the black sheep song and that yeah God, I fucking love Brie Larson singing that song. That's the best version to me of that song. Got to be the Brie Larson vocals. <sighs> but let's not go there. <laughs> he even gets some Dave Brubeck on here. And mm, 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 got to love some jazz. Yep. Oh, God. There is there's just so many good, great songs on here. And the music that was created for the movie that Baby creates, like those are all done by actual artists like Danger Mouse and Kid Koala. And yeah, they're great. They're cool. Yeah, they're just they're fun. And of course, ending the song with "Baby Driver" by Simon and Garfunkel. Of course, duh. Of course, o- almost too obvious. Almost, yeah. but it's such a great song. It, I I allow it. It's it's almost too. I didn't even. This also surprised me. I know Simon and Garfunkel. I didn't know this song. Deep cuts, baby. Yeah, they are like, pretty deep cuts. I mean. Yeah. I know some of their deep cuts. I know at the zoo. I mean, I think that's a deep cut, isn't it, for Simon Garfunkel? Like, I know a lot of their oh. music because I really like that band. I mean, I actually saw them in concert when they hated each other. That was a, that was an extreme experience. They didn't look at each other once the whole concert. So oh. <laughs> I didn't point it out. I didn't notice it, but like the the newspaper the next day said, "Yep, they didn't make. I, they didn't look at each other once. They hate each other." So impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Very impressive. Uh, but yeah, I just yeah, I thought that was cool. It's like, oh, it's Simon Garfunkel. I don't know. I, Appreciated it. It was yeah, right. It was a great way to end the movie too. And it, it also reminded me how I, I sometimes the, the idea of the perfect song is a very it, it's yeah that's it's an impossible mark to hit. Easy by the Commodores might be a perfect song. That's that's got to be. I would oh, almost argue a perfect. And song. this is off topic, but this, I have to bring this up. So I so I had forgotten this, Bill. I mean, this is from a long time ago in our old episodes we did. You always you talk about how you hate the song Ooga Chaka Ooga Chaka. It's a stupid. I did not realize there's two versions of Hooked on a Feeling, and the BJ Thomas one is a hundred percent better. Blue, Blue suede is we, we can't get that was Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, we had that just, conversation. I have to mention it because it just showed me on here Hooked on a Feeling. I remembered it. I was like, because I a few days a week ago I was singing, I got Hooked on a Feeling in my head, and I was looked it up, and my dad's like, oh yeah, BJ Thomas, and then I'm like, yeah. hey, no, this is by Blue suede. And I was like, oh, there's two versions of it. I listened to both. No, like Blue suede covered that that song. The original song is actually fine. I, I it's it's fine. The Uga Cha, I just <laughs> Ken, please back me up on that song is heinous. Hey. I was over that song back in the Ally McBeal days. Y'all might be too young for that one, but I, I, <laughs> I was not an Ally McBeal fan. I was not an Ally McBeal fan, but I, I've never understood the appeal to a bunch of people going Uga Chaga. I don't, don't get it. Never understood it. It loathed that song. <laughs> Look, it appeals based to our, you know, primal base element. Uh, literally it's, you know, caveman esque. It is appealing <laughs> to our most primal nature. Of chance, like chance, get people going. 
it, it, it's it gets it gets the people going, I guess. It gets Bill going, all right. It <laughs> gets me going way. out the door and to uh, to the skip button on my uh, on my iPod <laughs> shuffle. Hey, thank you. Hello. <laughs> so, what's your killer tracks? We've talked about babies already. Bright and rock. You guys got killer tracks. Bad Moon Rising by CCR. All right, I love that good song. One. Solid good one. one. So, killer tracks in the way in in what way? And so, a killer track is in. Like a song that'll get you hyped. What's what's the definition, real quick? Thank you. I knew it was going to happen. I was I was hoping because I have so many killer tracks for so many different occasions. Yeah, I was thinking specifically in the context of this movie. It's time to get away. What do you play? Time to get away. Time <sighs> to get away from the scene of the crime. Hot butter by pop or popcorn by hot butter. Huh? I'm not I'm not joking either. That yeah, that's the song. No, nah, it's got a groove. That has a hell of a groove. I love that song. Oh man, gotta get away. I've, I I I don't want to go cliche, but it's, running down a dream is probably one of the perfect ones. Is is uh is probably perfect for that. That's I, for me. It's a little cliche, I know, but oh uh, no, you want to talk about my cli- my cliche answer? Oh, absolute cliche answer. But it is my opinion one of the best driving songs of all time. Uh, ZZ Top. Oh, doing Lagrange. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, that is if it's if it fits, it fits. That totally works. Yeah, yeah, it's it's perfection, absolute perfection for a scene where you're getting away. If it's getting away from a bad time and you still got to get away, well, then it's got to be a good run of bad luck by Clint Black. Hundred percent. Ooh, that's a nice one too. I think I also have to put on that list of the got to get aways. Probably Thunder Road, which I also think is, is close to a perfect song. This is that's me. That's my jersey coming out. Me and Springsteen. Right. <laughs> I Springsteen. I I'm allowed. I'm from. I'm born and raised in New Jersey. Mm. I I'm allowed to be a big Springsteen fan. And um, anything less than Jake, like Gainesville Rock City, because less than okay. Jake made a made a living talking about how much their hometown sucks and how you just it's time to go desperately get out of here. Yeah, Gainesville Rock City. Because my son likes that song too, so I, that comes in the car often. Fair. That goes back nice. to my my ska punk days of uh, of being a. A someone, someone. I this is totally off, off, off the wall. Someone referred to me as a ska. I was on a, I was on a podcast. We were talking about Weird Al songs, and there's the song. Uh, there's a, there's a ska song he does once, and she's like, "Oh, were you a ska?" And I'm like, "What? No, I, <laughs> I, I is that a term? I, I listened oh, to a no. lot of ska music. I was really into the scene. I did a radio show in college. I, I was very, very, very into it." But I never identified as a <laughs> as a ska. I've never heard that before. I don't know, random random thought in the head. But yeah, no, that's that's where I would land on those for for sure. I think hornballs. I think has to be the term. <laughs> like I, I can't even call myself like a rude boy. Like that's I'm not Jamaican. I can't yeah, be a rude boy. <laughs> yeah, that's I like, can't I be know that. Ska has Jamaican roots, but no, rude boy is very much Caribbean centric. Like yes. that's. There's a real reason. There's a real yes. There's a real reason for that term. That is an actual identifier of a person in a certain era yeah. in Jamaica. Yeah, I. Uh, I don't hornballs. Know. Hornball. <laughs> Sorry, you're a hornball. You know what? If the shoe fits, if the shoe I'm fits, a hornball. Hey, listen, I got. You know, I'll own it. Got to own it. Yeah. No, you don't know it. Why not? Give me some street light. Give me some real big fish. I'm good, sir. There we go. <laughs> All right. Should we go to shelf stacker box? I think it's a great time for that. All right. And Ken, why don't you go first? I'm going to throw this one on the stack. Like I watch this movie maybe once a year. It's, it's good, but I don't 
know if you get much for rewatching it as you do with some of the other movies that we've covered before. This is a movie that always cheers me up, but it's not a movie that I always need to watch, but I do want it close at hand. Okay. So it's definitely a stack movie, but it's a high stack, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, that's fine. I mean, we we have developed other, other versions of this as this ranking system started. Like, it, it doesn't, you know, it's not like the joke around from the, from the Drew Carey sh- or the, God, whose line is it anyway? The points don't matter because, you know, so. Yeah. Okay, I'll go next. I'm going to put this on the shelf. I had a really great time seeing this. I went into it without really knowing what it was. I mean, I knew a little bit. I knew enough, but had a great time. Really enjoyed it. Super fun movie. And yeah, I loved it. So going on the shelf. How I watch it three times now. So, you know, in two days, that's impressive for me. This is up there for, I think this would be up there as a movie that I, I don't know if I can watch it. I don't watch any movie a lot, but yeah, I really loved it. And what about you, Bill? This is going to be a, uh, this, I'm going to put this on the shelf and this is a, this is a very much like Ken. This is a close shelf. This is, a, this is an excellent stack movie, but I think I forgot how much I liked this. I hadn't seen this since I saw it theatrically. It was one of those I saw, I loved it. And then it just never popped up on the radar to see again. Whenever it comes up in conversation, my answer was always, oh yeah, that's great. I love that. It's such a wonderful melding of things I love, which is not only, which I love obviously movies and cinema and I love good car chases because it's pure adrenaline. It's pure stakes. We talked about it already. And I love music. And the marriage of those three things is so wonderful. And just the fact that you also have this really cute coming of age story, young love. It, it hits all the old 40-year-old man smarmy bits that that have grown over the years. <laughs> it's It hits a lot of my checkboxes. And it's an absolute joy. And this is one of those that I would test out headphones to. Like if I want to buy like, you know, yeah, if I want to test out headphones. This is the kind of movie I would do that too, because again, it does so many things well, and uh, it's just an enjoyable ride. And I don't know if I'd watch it like every month, but this is definitely, I think, a once a year for me. Now that I've revisited it, it's uh, yeah, it was a, this was a joy. So this is on the shelf. Okay, all right. And Bill, where people find you at? I my my dormant podcast entitled "The Gamer Looks at 40. It is dormant, but there's like ninety something main episodes and like seventeen tales from the bargain bins. There's a lot of stuff out there. So if you enjoy video games and and uh, nostalgic retrospectives about games, I think that's the show for you. I let people tell their personal stories about games affected their lives and why they love them uh, beyond nuts and bolts. Although we do talk about that sometimes. So anywhere uh, on your pod player of choice, uh, check out a gamer looks at 40 and the show is returning officially on March 4th uh, with whole new episodes and we'll be hitting the ground running. So uh, yeah, definitely check it out. All right. And if you enjoyed this episode, as we said at the top of the episode, you can support the show for those that are, you vote in our Patreon polls. We have one every month and this month we have two polls, bitch. Definitely go check out the show. Uh, support us, help us out. You can do effect what goes on the show because I do everything people vote for. I do it if it wins. I do it anyway, but you know, I do it wins. So definitely go do that. And we have Discord. Please join Discord and chat with us. You'll see a link in the show notes. And we'll give a shout out to my awesome intro and outro courtesy of Helena at Hell Has Free. You can follow her on Twitch, Instagram, TikTok. She's on all those things. You'll see a link. You'll see a link in the, in the show notes to her link tree. Definitely go check her out. Want to give a shout out to No Man's a Fantasy, another podcast that I work with. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Threads, Blue Sky, TikTok, which might have more reviews eventually, besides just squirrel videos, and YouTube audio only. But you can find games my mom found everywhere. And I think that's everything I need to say. So we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.